1: Welcome to this special show. It's not going to be the normal format, but uh, yeah, welcome to Slamfire Radio, episode 258. And to start off with, I'd like to introduce and welcome Dr. Terry Bryant, Alberta's new Chief Firearms Officer. And Terry, to start off with, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell us how you got into it, and your history with guns.
2: Okay, well, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be here today. Uh, so, um, I mean, my my memories of uh, my involvement in the firearms community pretty much go back as far as I can remember. Um, when I was, a, uh, you know, a small child, um, w- the only things I ever did with my dad were go to the range and go to gun shows. Um, I still have my uh, Ontario, I, I remember seeing my you know, watching my dad. Uh, you know, when I was less than ten years old, because I I can date some of those those things from transactions that happened around that time, and I still have my 1972 junior membership in Ontario Arms Collectors. So um, I went through. I, of course, I was only one year old at the time. You no. Know. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so you know, time went on. Uh, eventually, um, you know, when I was an adult, I uh, got back into things heavily myself. Um, I was in, I shot IPSC for a while and then my career sort of got in the way of that, but I continued to, uh, You know, shooting recreationally and and, uh, uh, developed a a strong interest in military collecting, particularly uh, Japan and the Pacific War. So I have a big collection of uh, Japanese military firearms and uh, related militaria, and that's kind of expanded to the Pacific War more broadly. Uh, I tend to like old stuff. Um, When I do get to the range, which hasn't been nearly as often as I would like right now, I've... um, have a high standard supermatic citation and a Smith and Wesson 22 revolver that are the things that I've been, uh, shooting on the few occasions when I managed to get out there right now.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause you have quite the, uh, collection.
2: Uh, well, you know, uh, somebody asked me how many guns I had and I said, uh, well, more than most people, but not as many as I'd like. <laughs> that's uh, a, good that's good answer. a good answer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So just recently you were appointed as Alberta's chief firearms officer. Uh, First off, what made you want to apply for the job? What was kind of your goals to get into there? Is it what you expected?
2: Um, Well, uh, I guess um, I've, I've always felt that uh, the way uh, that what people need to do is not stand around and gripe. They need to get involved. And uh, this was my opportunity to get involved. I was on the Alberta Firearms Advisory Committee, uh, tried to be a, a very active member. And then when this job came up, I thought this is a great opportunity for me to speak uh, step forward. And if I've, if I'm saying that the system isn't all it should be, here's my opportunity to uh, maybe play a role in making it better. And so that's really why I took the job was uh, the opportunity to uh, help a community that I consider to be sort of my primary um, community that I identify with to make a major contribution in terms of public safety, because that's, you know, that's really the number one priority of this job. And I don't think everyone really understands how important that public safety role is, because you know, unless we, it's it's really when people perceive there's a lack of public safety that you get these requests for stupid measures like our current federal government has been introducing with alarming regularity, Uh, and those measures, um, apart from being harmful to our community, they are, I I think, a real threat to public safety because they are misdirecting resources away from the things that would contribute to public safety. And at the same time, they're undermining the credibility of the system. So it was my opportunity to really step forward and show that uh, public safety and a thriving firearms community are uh, not just uh, mutually compatible, but actually complementary goals.
3: I love that, Terry. That is a great way to put it. Oh my goodness, that's perfect.
1: I gotta say thank you for stepping up and and doing that. You I know, had uh, some experience with your team most recently at my local range with uh, recertifications and whatnot and you guys uh, made a comment about how you guys were there to help ranges stay open and if not not that end but open more ranges can you expand on how how you guys are achieving that like helping ranges and then trying to get more opened up
2: um well uh there's been a number of things so first of all in the routine uh process of things you know when we do range inspections which are required periodically um the the standards um that we're given to apply are always um, you know, gradually getting tighter. And so they have to be interpreted with some uh, common sense. So that's one thing. And um, and then also, you know, there in some cases there are deficiencies uh, and there we have to again, use some common sense. And if there's not a, if there's something that's a serious risk, I mean, it has to be dealt with immediately. There's no doubt about that, but if it's, uh, you know, a, a sort of marginal thing. Maybe we can uh, work with a range so that uh, they do what they can immediately and have a plan in place to bring themselves into, into fuller compliance. Uh, in some cases we've played a more active role in um, trying to work with um, uh, local um, municipalities and things to try and, and uh, help them for um Uh, help them uh, deal with uh, issues relating to uh, their relations with their neighbors and things like that. Um, And we're, um, uh, uh, then, you know, we're also trying to encourage more ranges to open. Um, So, you know, basically by taking a cooperative approach rather than a confrontational one. I mean, my, my, um, slogan or saying or guiding principle uh, is always uh, that uh, we should seek uh, compliance through credibility, not compulsion. So we have credible, if we have credible rules, uh, you know, being administered by credible people, people will want to comply and then there's no need to be heavy handed. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, a lesson that we should try and apply throughout the firearms control system and quite frankly, society at large.
1: so like when you're helping like I know there's a few ranges trying to open up around Alberta. can you go into a little bit of detail on what you're doing to aid them I know I know of one that's actually really coming up against brick wall for the last few years
2: yeah well of course, I mean I can't comment on on uh specific uh issues that are in some cases even before the courts but like we sure. will appear at hearings we will talk to local municipalities and um and um try and, uh, encourage a realistic approach. Um, you know, there are, there are in the long run, you know, my role is also to be an advocate for sensible change. Uh, and to my mind, one of the things that would be very helpful in the long run, for this would be, um, you know, if and it's certainly nothing that's within my discretion now, but something that we should uh, look for is emulating the model of uh, European countries and um, encouraging the use of the legalization and use of suppressors, which would drastically reduce the noise effects on neighbors and thereby make um, make them. Uh, much better uh, make ranges much better neighbors for the people who live around them, and thereby reduce a lot of the uh, the issues that people living near ranges have with the uh, the inevitable byproduct of um, being somewhere where people are discharging firearms with regularity.
1: I like the sound of that. That's pretty awesome. Makes sense.
2: Yeah. oh yeah well, I'd, absolutely.
1: I'd
4: love to be able to use a suppressor on a range too and just be able yeah. to shoot yeah. without the hearing damage
2: it you know so well, what 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 a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is that that's actually you know in in your european jurisdictions that uh, our federal government would often hold up as models in many mm-hmm. cases it's required you know mm-hmm. so uh it only makes sense and and you know how many people have had um problems with their hearing in in their advanced age. I mean nowadays we use uh earplugs and and uh ear muffs and there's now, you know, electronic I'm not that technical a person, but there's you know electronic uh gizmos that will help with that. But, you know, it's not always practical in every case. I mean if somebody who is out hunting, uh you know, they need to um, be able to hear what's going on around them. They need situational awareness for safety's sake. So, um You know, I think there's there's a lot of things that we need to uh, look at in the long run, and um, you know that's what I'm in it for. I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't take this job because I thought things were going to happen overnight. This is a long, tough slog. It's an uphill slog, as we've seen. Um, It's a slog where uh, sometimes the uh, slope is getting steeper as we (laughs) we go up. Sure is challenges.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd like to touch on the changes and the stuff you're working on but i'd like to save that towards the end of the interview because i would like to get into more of the may 18th and then get into the c21 revival here so mm-hmm. you guys actually told me something interesting when i was talking with you in high prairie about uh the may 18th announcement that uh well how did you why don't you just tell the audience how did you find how does your office find out about it
2: well, it's not just our office. I, we're not being—I uh, don't think—they're singling me out. Although I have uh, perhaps acquired a bit of a reputation as the bad girl of the uh, uh, Canadian firearms program, but all of the chief firearms offices were really, as, as far as I've been able to determine, uh, had no advance warning of this. And in our case, uh, we found out about it kind of by accident. One of our uh, team members found out, uh, found something online and, uh, then, you know, raised it with us and we were trying to confirm it. And finally, um, you know, towards the end of the day, uh, we got a message back, well, there'll be an, a- you know, an announcement or a briefing next week. And, uh, you know, we don't get any advance warning of these things, which, um, you know, there's, there's, I suppose, a little bit of a, uh, a tension between the fact, you know, governments often want to uh, maximize the PR impact and also for, they may have other strategic reasons for wanting to make announcements without advance notice. But then, you know, the fallout is that uh, offices like ours get inundated with inquiries about what does this mean, um, you know, how do we comply um, and, you um, this seems to have over the past couple of weeks uh, really snowballed into something that uh, went from being a minor annoyance to being sort of totally overwhelming.
5: Do you want to actually uh, tell us what happened on May 18th? Cause some people actually don't, aren't aware of that. So let's just explain a little bit.
2: Yeah. So um, I guess there's two main uh, things. One is that the, the uh, these are provisions of bill c71 that that uh, had been passed but they hadn't actually come into effect very often laws are passed and then they kind of sit on the books for quite a while until uh you know either they're they've worked out a system for actually doing what the law says and then th- then these things will uh, come into effect so for individual transfers uh you not only had to just check somebody's PAL, but you had to uh, verify that PAL and get a reference number from the uh, registrar. And uh, that could be done either uh, online through individual web services uh, or uh, by calling in. And uh, of course, calling in has been somewhat problematic because there have been, uh, let's just say, uh, issues with the length of queues. Uh, In uh, the units where people are trying to call in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, with the individual web services, that system actually works reasonably well for a fairly large number of people if mm-hmm. they already have you know internet and a computer and uh they have their email registered with the central processing service and they have online banking f- so that they can or or uh an actual in, uh, individual web services uh, account so that they can sign in um you know we did a couple and and uh it, it can work well, but the problem is there's a lot of people for whom that uh, those situations are not uh, the case. I and mean, there's lots of people in rural areas uh, or older people who don't have internet or who don't have good access. Uh, you know, they're they may be relying on on rather spotty and uh, low speed coverage. So uh, the firearms community is probably more affected by that than would be a uh, a community in, um, you know, say downtown uh, Calgary mm-hmm. or downtown Edmonton. Yeah. So uh, so that's uh, one side of things. Um, and then on the business side, uh, businesses already kept a fair amount of, of uh, records and some of, for it, but the record keeping practices varied. Some of them kept very extensive records and others just bare bones. Yeah. Uh, so they now have to meet uh, quite, uh, comprehensive set of record keeping and then keep those records for 20 years uh, and the concern about this I think is I mean the, the in principle making sure that people's pals are valid is is a useful thing it's a it's a good thing because there has been counterfeiting of pals and identity theft and so on I'm not sure that the system that they have in place is actually going to resolve that issue uh, and it creates, because it's because in its current form i don't think it resolves that issue i think they're going to end up adding on more and more to it so that it becomes like a registry for individual transfers and then on the business side they have to keep all these records and keep them for 20 years and if they go out of business send them unless the cfo dictates otherwise to the registrar uh and uh between those two sides if after a couple of years i mean it isn't it isn't a a full-fledged long gun registry right off the bat but after a couple of years if they add various information requirements on the individual side and then they call in the records that uh businesses have they could reconstruct uh, a reasonable facsimile of a long gun registry that might actually be um you know, more accurate than the original one was because one of the many, many problems with the old long gun registry was that most of the data in it were wrong.
5: Yeah. So what you're saying is, those that are listening, never mind. Uh, we discussed this as a part of the topic. Um, was it last week or the week before? And every comment or every uh, thing that you talked about mm-hmm. was something that. We agree. We figure it's going to be evolving into something that is basically a backdoor registry. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for explaining that as well. So, thank you.
2: Oh, sorry. Hi. You, I have to, I have to, please do forgive me because remember, I'm a professor. So, I tend to give long, <laughs> long, rambling no, answers. Fantastic. It's all
1: good. It works. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I do have a question on these systems. So, uh, a peer to peer sale or private sale, you, you have to verify the license, but then you're given a reference number. Yes. And you're understanding what are, what's the seller supposed to do with that reference number? Are they supposed to file that away or is that there just their record that they, they what?
2: It, uh, well, of course, only time will tell what use they intend to make of this. Uh, but um, I would strongly suggest that people keep a record of that. As far as we can tell, Uh, Like I've done a couple, you know, uh, remember that you can verify someone's PAL and that doesn't necessarily mean that a firearm has changed hands. Um, So we did a couple as a test uh, and uh, records popped up. So, you know, there was a record online of the trend of of these uh, reference numbers. But I think one would be well advised to keep a record of them in case one is questioned later on. You know, uh you sold a gun to this guy and um, you know, did you actually verify their pal? Um so if you have that reference number, then you can I guess uh, perhaps allay those uh allay those concerns. I've I've always been one for trying to keep as many records as possible because uh you never know when you're gonna be called on to, to have to prove yourself innocent, basically. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's too bad they don't put the reference number in the email. I I was uh, a buyer of a non-restricted gun uh, today, yesterday, Mm -hmm. this morning. And uh, you get an email, and it's like, you've got a message in, in your uh, individual web service. like, oh man, I got to go log into that thing. <laughs> and like, <laughs> log in. Yes, I have a license. Oh, you've got a message. Okay, message. No. Oh, here's your reference number. Okay, thanks. You
2: can well, you know, that's, that, that's your tax dollars at work creating the user friendly, uh, you know, information technology systems that the federal government is so well known for.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also warns my little heart that no, not really. But the fact that you, as the Alberta CFO, didn't get any notice—that there, there's got to be something wrong with that. You get the same notice that we do, basically,
2: or less. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> You know, you suddenly open. Suddenly, you get an avalanche of emails or phone requests, or or people contacting you. You know, I've been in this uh, in the firearms community for decades here in Alberta, and uh, you know, I was always at gun shows and doing historical displays before that. So, a lot of people have my home phone number, and it's not at all unusual for me to get calls well after I've gone to bed because <laughs> I'm a, I'm an early to ride early to bed, early to rise kind of gal. And uh, you know, with people who are, are trying to find out what's going on and often uh, they know more than I do at that point.
1: That, yeah. Something's definitely <laughs>
2: wrong there.
5: I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> that your phone has been ringing off the hook nonstop after. Well,
2: well it has been a very busy time. Yes. Um, it's, <laughs> It's uh uh you know the last few days I mean this job is a 24/7 365 uh kind of thing anyway I mean I I usually work Like, my home is in Calgary. I have an apartment. I've had to get an apartment here in Edmonton. The apartment is a bachelor suite, just, you know, uh, like a four-minute walk from my office because basically all I do when I'm up here is I work and then I go home and I fall asleep and then I wake up and start again. Um, But basically, my routine is that uh, I work the five weekdays in the office and then I drive several hundred kilometers and... Uh, attend a gun show or some other firearms community event um, on the weekend. So this weekend, actually, you know, I just came up here from, um, from uh calgary so to edmonton now uh i'll be here tomorrow because we have some uh legal meetings to uh to deal with and then on saturday i'll be going to uh, vermilion to attend a cowboy action shoot which i'm looking forward to should be quite fun um i keep thinking one of these days i'd like to do that but since i can't even get to the range to bang off a a few (laughs) rounds of 22 most of the time i'm not sure where i would uh But, you know, we're always optimistic about the future is going to be better. Right. Uh, And then on Sunday, I'm going to a gun show in Castor and then I'll be going back to Calgary. And on Monday, I head to a meeting of all the CFOs in Winnipeg. And uh, that will be interesting given the events of the past week, which have uh,
6: Hmm.
2: not been easy for any of the CFOs across the country, regardless of whether they're provincially appointed or federally appointed or amongst the provincially appointed, whether they are ones with a more expansive mandate such as myself and Robert Freeberg in Saskatchewan or ones with a more limited mandate in some of the other provinces. So uh, we've all had in, an interesting week and it'll be interesting to do. Um, I've only met a couple of them in person so far. It'll be interesting to meet more of them in person and uh, you know exchange notes on on what exactly we've been doing over the past week. And, and in fact, over the past few months, you know, since September 1st when I took over this job.
1: Well, I have a comment and then a question. Touching on the gun shows, somebody might be able to correct me, but that high, high priority that gun show when I went, that was the first time I've ever seen anyone from any chief firearms office set up a table at a gun show. And then to hear about you going to a cowboy action shoot and more gun shows, uh, as a gun owner, I want to, thank you and putting yourself out there. And I know we had a good talk in high Prairie and I'm sure there was many other people who had great talks with you as well. So that was my comment.
2: Well, well, thank you. It's been, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, You know, I, I enjoy it. I feed off the, uh, the uh, vibe and the enthusiasm there. Um, So uh, we've done, uh, quite a lot of gun shows um, in Calgary, in the sort of Stony Plain, Edmonton gun show, smaller venues. Uh, I've been to uh, Killam, done displays in in uh, Lethbridge and uh, Consort and Provost, and um, you know, as you mentioned, High Prairie. So I'm trying to basically do um, every gun show that I can get to, um, and show people that we are a different kind of office now that we are supportive of the community, um, that, uh, we want to encourage, uh, public safety in a collaborative fashion, have people work with us on these issues. Uh, so that, uh, you know, people understand when we're talking about things, if we're asking them to, uh, you know, maybe secure their firearms a little better at gun shows or, um, Or, um, you know, make sure they they aren't leaving uh, loaded guns unattended uh, somewhere on their property, um, you know, that they understand that we're coming at it from a good place, that we're trying to preserve public safety as a way of preserving our community. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's really uh, a very important part of it. And, I mean, it's great fun. I usually uh, – I don't want to brag, but I usually have some of the coolest guns at these gun shows. <laughs> <laughs> you just got the job to that, make yeah. everyone jealous, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's also educational because, like, the theme of the displays that I do is guess the classification. And I have a variety of firearms, uh, everything from flintlocks to, uh, you know, modern uh, things. Um, and uh, from a whole variety of different classifications, uh, they could be uh, deemed not to be a firearm for one reason or another. Uh, could be uh, non-restricted, restricted, uh, you know, 12-3 prohib, 12-6 prohib. Um, I'm also 12.5 grandfathered, but my 12.5s are too big to fit in the display, so... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, but you know, pe- it's interesting to see people come up and they're, you know, what they're interested in, you know, either because it's, uh, something they've seen in the movies or because it's particularly small. I have a couple of very small guns and, and a lot of the, uh, uh, women and, uh, uh children, uh, are particularly attracted to these things that they, they, uh, refer to as cute, uh, because of their, their small size, um. So uh, it attracts people's interest, uh, starts conversations, and it's educational because I can explain to people what this system is because our system of classifying firearms, I mean, it doesn't make sense. There's there's no real logic to it. Uh, there's a set of rules and you can apply the rules to determine the outcome, but those rules really have no foundation in logic, no foundation in public safety. Um, they're just a variety of historical and political anomalies that uh, have accumulated into something we try to dignify with the dignified by calling it a system
6: mm-hmm. yeah
2: I was trying
3: to explain some of the classifications a while ago to a friend who was asking me all sorts of questions, and I said, you're trying to apply logic to gun laws, and unless it's a safety thing, there's no logic to be found, my friend. You will go mad.
2: Well, what I tell people actually is people will start saying, but this, but that, and I say, look, if you're going to start trying to to apply logic to our firearms laws, please give me fair warning because – your head is going to explode, and I want to take cover. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
5: Speaking of firearms laws,
2: yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's...
1: get into C21. The hot topic of the last couple days.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, this is not just C21. It's C20. Well, it's the old C21 on steroids to become the new C21. um, Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it has things in it that were not really anticipated before. Uh, The big three things. Now, I I do want to say that there are some things in this bill that, in theory, could be minor tweaks to the law that could be beneficial. But Mm -hmm. all of those things are simply really tweaking things you know uh that we already do like if somebody's involved in domestic abuse we already yank their pal okay um so it may assist us a little bit here and there but the big three items in this are of course uh the freeze on handgun sales transfers uh imports and so on um and um um, I just see somebody uh send here we need to start a fund for a CFO private plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure most of the places I go to have airports, but it's a nice thought. (laughs) Uh, So uh, anyway, I mean, there's this handgun freeze. uh, Then there's the announcement of an accelerated timeline for the confiscation of the modern sporting firearms and uh, historical artifacts declared prohibited by the order in council. uh, And then there's these um, yet to be announced um, and rather intriguing comments about... Uh, making limits to magazine capacity uh, more permanent than the permanent ones that we already have. Um, And so uh, the other thing that is disturbing about that, and I'm hoping that it is simply lack of knowledge is that when you read the announcements about magazines, uh, they're just saying long guns. They're not saying center fire, semi-automatic long guns. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I'm hoping that that's just out of ignorance and not that they actually intend to extend it to rim yeah. fire and to manually operated uh, things um things because that would be, you know, uh, that uh, it's a pretty big undertaking as as yeah. is and uh, that would make it uh, pretty much unmanageable I think. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. We have some we have some questions people have been asking questions. I've told people if they do have questions we're going to actually um ask them at the end. Right. Um but, um, yeah, specifically, people have asked about uh, the, the magazine limit, if it's going to impact even just hunters as well. So, oy you know, you
2: know, Well, I mean, the, the, the answer is we don't know because yeah. that will be, uh, be done by regulation, I'm sure. And um, until we see the regulations, we won't know. Uh, my uh, what, what I am hoping to do now, remember, Bill C-21 was just given first reading. Yeah. And so there's a lengthy parliamentary process ahead of that, some of which could be short circuited, you know, here and there by orders in council to uh to just sort of jump the queue. Um, but in principle, there has to be second reading and then committee hearings and then third reading. And uh, you know, then even once it passes the house, then it could end up again in hearings in the uh in the Senate. Um And, of course, there's always a possibility, because it's a minority government scenario at the moment, that we could have an election and um, end up with the whole thing being moot. If we were to have a government, uh, either a a current government that reconsidered, or which I think is perhaps unlikely, or a different government that would um, take a fresh approach. Mm
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah. Anyways, new election. Okay.
2: Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, so what all, we're
5: saying is we want a new election, hopefully.
2: Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the the problem, everybody says, uh, oh, we have too many elections, but then nobody's happy with the outcome. Um, uh, no. and That's so, true. um, so well, you got to, Pick your choice. I would rather I'd rather have an I'd rather have another election that we don't necessarily want uh, in order to get an improved result. Yeah. But you know that's just my personal uh, viewpoint. Mm.
3: So one question that's been coming up with a bunch of my friends, Terry, is one of the is there a possibility that they could do an OIC or some sort of regulatory change to cut off transfers on fire on on restricted firearms because. When I was watching the, the press release, they seemed to indicate, I'm pretty sure I heard something in there, pretty much we're not going to wait for the regulations to pass to put mm-hmm. a stop to transfers and new firearms. So do you know if, 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 is that a possibility? They could, again, like you said, short circuit that particular thing just to really freeze things
2: quickly? My, uh, my understanding is yes, that uh, from everything that I have been told uh, so far, and of course, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how reliable that is because, um, you know, uh, believe it or not, uh, neither the prime minister nor the public safety minister, wh- you know, whispers sweet nothings into my ear. I don't get uh, <laughs> uh, don't get any anything like uh, you know, f- uh, favored access to information on those things. But my understanding is that yes, um, that they. Uh, my hope is. There have been some rumors going around, you know, that things might uh, have been closed off, you know, within days or even today. Uh, yeah. But I, I, my hope is that they will allow a decent interval at least, um, because you know there are there will be people if things are going to be frozen in place at least until we can get that uh, that law overturned. Uh, there are some people who are you know, older who may decide, you know, it's time for me to, to cash in while I still can. Um, and so, you know, that might be the answer to some of the bare shells we see in gun stores, uh, <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. uh, if, a, if a few things are, are, uh, shaken loose. So, uh, mm-hmm. my understanding is they can do that. Uh, I, my hope is that they won't do it at least not soon, but anybody's guess
5: okay so let's talk about it so since monday there has been a frenzy with uh purchasing uh people purchasing pistols your office has been just a tad busy right
2: uh well i mean there's there's (laughs) not a lot of grass grows under our feet to start with um you know even before we one of the things that really uh I find quite distressing is that the federal government is always talking about public safety, public safety and so on and so forth, but they've been refusing to provide adequate uh, funding and staffing to the chief firearms offices across the country for years. All of them are understaffed and overworked to start with in a regular situation. Uh, And so um, then, you know, uh, as you probably are aware, uh, as you just uh, mentioned, The possibility of uh, this free coming into effect very soon has been a a motivating factor to get a lot of people who are thinking, ah, you know, should I get that? Should I not get that? Well, now suddenly everybody simultaneously decided, yes, they should all get those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had some stores saying their volume has increased like 20-fold. Yeah. Um, uh, we had one, one of my, uh, officers reported that a store that would normally sell five or six, uh, in the period of time since the, um, uh, since the announcement had sold 129, you know, which is, um, uh, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a significant percentage increase. And for yeah. a system that was already pretty creaky, you know, the, the whole central processing service, um, the, the um unit is, um, have had some operational difficulties over the last while. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I, I I'll, as much as many complaints as I might have about uh, that place, um, I'd say the people there must be earning their money the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: so we can yeah. dispel the rumor going around right here. It's not that they were shutting off the transfers the system crashed is that mm-hmm. pretty much it's what happened?
5: yeah uh, just a really yeah. busy yeah
2: well yeah. Uh, there were there was also talk earlier today of you know that this that an ordering council might come in almost immediately yeah mm-hmm. but regardless you know what we want to do uh here we believe the firearms community is uh something that should be um I mean, it's obviously, it's an activity that needs to be regulated, um, at least in a modern society, it's inconceivable that you would have uh, an activity like we, we regulate people driving their cars on the road and so on, their speed limits and and so on. A certain degree of regulation is going to be required, but we view the, this community as uh, a contributing factor. If you particularly, uh, what a lot of people who are not firearms owners don't realize is what an important role this is as a community, um, in, in many of the rural areas, um, in in many of the rural areas, when you have a gun show or something, this is like the, you know, one of the two or three big events of the year, you know, I've gone to places when, uh, you know, they have a gun show and that's when, uh, suddenly there's every place in town has a lawn sale. And uh, suddenly there's all kinds of people coming, uh, you know, into town. So people make it a a big occasion. Uh, Another event that I was at recently, they have like a big fundraising dinner and music and so on. So it plays a big part in the role of many of these communities. And then there's also Uh, just a community formed by these people themselves, like the people who were on the gun show circuit. I mean, this is where, you know, all of my friends are. And I know that in, in those other, like the various shooting disciplines, whether it's cowboy action shooting or IPSC or uh, whatever, you know, those people who are regular participants in that, that's their community. And these laws uh, and regulations that are suddenly sprung on people, um, are are devastating to these communities it's just as devastating as if a tornado rolled through you know it's really um really just uh it's shocking to me that uh people could be so callous and we need to recognize there are things that need to be done there are certain things that need to be tweaked but the first thing they could do if they really wanted to improve public safety is put some money into more money into the border uh, put money into uh, guns and gang units, put money into diverting people out of gangs, uh, put money into addiction counseling because drug trade fuels a lot of these uh, mm-hmm. abuses and fuels yeah. the thefts of of uh, firearms. You know, there are so many other things that could be done with the massive amount of money that they're proposing to waste on things that will not have an effect on public safety.
5: Here, here.
1: Yeah,
5: I saw a news article to today that
3: said, uh, gun smuggling still a concern, and I thought, gun smuggling is the concern, not still yeah, a yeah.
2: concern. Yeah. So, well, you know, this, from. The, the thing is that, uh, you do need a comprehensive approach to these things because, um, like. As long as we have uh, a drug trade where there's a massive amount of money to be made, you have people, drug dealers who are going around. They have a very valuable inventory and scads of cash, and they can't rely on the police to protect them because they're breaking the law. OK, <laughs> so uh, it's natural. uh It's completely reprehensible, but natural that they would want to acquire illegal firearms and uh, they will follow the path of least resistance. If they can get them easily smuggled, they'll get them smuggled. If they can, uh, you know, have uh, 3D printers make them or, uh, you know. Whatever way, I mean, 3D printing is just more modern. Anybody with a, a, a lathe can make a, a reasonable, you know, uh, a reasonable fact, uh, firearm uh, mm-hmm. if they just have basic machining skills. It's not like these are, it's not rocket science. People have been making firearms for hundreds of years. So, um, You know, we need to cut things off at the source. We need to deal with the drug issue. We need to deal with, uh, and it's not just drugs. There are other aspects of violence that we need to deal with. We need to deal with, you know, spousal violence issues. We need to deal with uh, violent extremists. Uh, You know, it's one thing to to have an opinion that's different from the mainstream, but it's another to say that you're going to go out and, and hurt people because they don't agree with you or you don't like them or, or whatever. Uh, and we can't have that in a modern society. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: So what can us as a firearms community do at this, this point?
2: Well, uh, I always say there's three things. Okay. And those three things are, I'll summarize them and then I'll expand on each one. Okay. Don't jo- uh, join. Donate, volunteer. So everybody should join uh, a, a firearms organization and a political party that they feel is going to uh, support firearms ownership. Uh, the cost of that is relatively small. I mean, a membership in a in a uh, uh, a firearms organization, um, you know, is I don't know forty dollars or something like that a year. What's that? Uh, you know, ten cents a day. Um, So that's one thing, but also join a political party. That's even cheaper. You, most of them are like $10. Okay. Um, and so you could join a federal party and a provincial party, ones that are going to support firearms ownership, um, then donate. Okay. Um, and so, uh, my, rule of thumb that I have uh, adopted, and I considerably exceed this myself, uh, but I feel that a firearms owner should donate the value of one typical firearm that they would buy per year. Hmm. So, you know, if you're a person of modest means and you buy, you know, $300 guns, donate $300. If you don't do that, you won't have any $300 guns to buy before long. Okay. So, uh, if you're well off and you uh, are one of these people who can afford to buy 10 or $20,000 guns, you should be putting 10 or $20,000 in, put some into, um, you know, into supporting a local candidate, um, and then once you've maxed that out, put it into supporting a party, put it into, and of course, there's limits in Canada. So you can't uh, donate a huge amount of money to a political party, uh, donate uh, to a cause. I don't think there's any limit on how much money uh, any of the firearms organizations could uh, could accept. And then that's not enough. Okay. Um, what I've always said is if you want to find out what's important to somebody, don't ask them. Look at their checkbook and their day timer. I'm old. So I remember daytime. But you know, if you, if you, if you aren't putting your money where your mouth is and you're not putting your time where your mouth is, then you don't really value that thing. And so people should, uh, work either, you know, my, my feeling personally is that it's better to become politically active, show up, volunteer, you know, to support someone in your constituency, um, they always need people. They need people with a wide range of skills. They need people who can do carpentry to put up signs. They need people with computer skills. They need people who are good on the phone. Uh, they need people who can just walk around and distribute brochures. Uh, so no matter what your uh, particular set of skills are, there's things that uh, that you can do. And, um, and that's how you get access to people and uh, get them to listen to you because they see, hey, you know, Bill or Mary or, uh, you know, uh, whoever, don't, they're really one of my key supporters. I should listen to what they have to say. And, you know, this is the path that I followed. I mean, I, I just started to volunteer. And three years later, I was the president of a constituency uh, association. So, um, you know, you, you, we really need to... Um, step forward and everybody can do a little bit, you know, not everybody is, not everybody's crazy like me. I always say that, you know, when people say, Terry, how did you get your job? I said, well, I've hit this sweet spot where I'm crazy enough to take this job, but not crazy enough that they take my pal away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's an awesome answer. Uh, yeah.
2: That's
1: great. Um, I got a couple more questions before we get into the uh, audience questions and kind of start closing out. So uh, why do you touch on what your office is doing? I know you've written some letters. Are you getting any response? Are they listening to you?
2: Uh, Well, so we've—I uh, wrote uh, a couple of letters to uh, the Minister of Public Safety. The uh, first one was quite uh, long and detailed about the order and council issue and other other matters. Uh, and basically, the thrust of that was that um, you were going to—you know—they were proposing to spend billions of dollars on something that wasn't going to help public safety. So why don't you spend it on something that's actually going to be useful, like the various things that I've already mentioned—the uh, border. Uh, Strengthen police, more firearms officers, addiction counseling, uh, you know, anti uh, domestic violence initiatives, and and things of that nature. So that was one letter. That's the one that's most well known. Another one that we uh, sent out just recently is is uh, shorter and is focused on the uh, the issue of the. Um, uh, uh, the May 18th measures, uh, which were sprung on us very quickly, and nobody had time to react to them, uh, and so I was saying, "Hey, let's take a pause on this, and uh, you know, give us some give us some time, uh, so that we can have some feedback on this, and then either it will result in refinements in the system that make it easier to live with, or and alleviate people's concerns, or maybe you'll just realize that the whole idea was not." something you should have undertaken in the first place Mm -hmm. so uh, those are the kind of letters now do I uh, do I think that those letters are going to have a magic effect Uh, well nobody gave me a magic wand uh, you know when I took this job and I could just wave it and suddenly uh, cause people who Uh, are stuck in old-fashioned, obsolete ways of thinking that don't contribute to public safety, and and it was going to magically uh, convert them, okay? Uh, But uh, it's part of changing the conversation, you know? it's really important that we change the conversation so that people recognize that when we are objecting to these measures, it's not just because it's going to be an inconvenience for us. You know, people are, have often dismissed our uh, our issues derisively as saying, well, you know, it's just your hobby and and that sort of thing. It Mm -hmm. is our hobby and it is our community, but it's also the concern that we have with public safety. And uh, when you pour billions of dollars into things that have no public safety value, that's money that you could have spent on something that would have a public safety impact. And so when you do that, you're actually harming public safety. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and a lot of these packages of measures, they'll have a few little good things in them and then a whopping big uh, expenditure on something that's completely useless. Well, we here in Alberta are smart enough to know that if you take an apple pie and a cow pie and you put them together, you don't get two <laughs> apple pies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm um, stealing that. Okay, so my last question before we get to the comment questions, um, I asked you this in High Prairie. I just want to get it out there. What are the chances? What's the possibility of Alberta saying, "Screw it, we don't subscribe to the federal fire firearms program. We're just going to do our own, direct and manage our own firearms program"?
2: Okay, well, that's I guess uh, that's a complicated issue and. Uh, there's, uh, I guess, two answers to it. We can't opt out of federal law entirely. Like if the federal law says uh, you got to have a pal to buy a gun, we got to do that, okay? It's not, that's not an option. But Mm -hmm. what I think is an option uh, is that right now we have what I would consider to be the minimum that we could do uh, to say that we have a provincial office. Um, Our office deals, I mean, we do some, Transfers and do a few other things, but the the meat and potatoes of our business is licensing, and so we license businesses, we license ranges, and we do individuals. Well, the licensing of businesses and ranges, we do almost all of that because it requires inspections. So our teams go out naturally, make sure that businesses have property secure proper security measures, make sure that the ranges have proper backstops and so on, um, and so. You know, that's sort of uh, one aspect. But the individual transfers, most of that still goes through Miramichi. And I think that the past while, not just this last couple of days when, uh, you know, the volumes increased to such a level that, you know, any any system would have been put under strain. Um, but they have repeatedly failed, in my mind, uh, to uphold public safety. They have not I can't mention, for public safety reasons, some of the things that have have happened, the practices that they have that uh, I think go against public safety, uh, but they have allowed some very serious public safety breaches there, um, and that's unacceptable, and the, the time that it's taking for uh, people to get their transactions processed is also unacceptable. And uh, so what I think is something that is practical um, would be, yes, we still have to operate within the framework of federal law and hopefully we'll be able to get that federal law changed because part of my mandate is to advocate for change. Uh, But we will try and administer that law in the most efficient and most public safety conscious fashion that we can. Uh, And, you know, the whole approach that we have here uh, in the Alberta Chief Firearms Office has been to hire people who are uh, the best people we can get to make the tough decisions about who should and who shouldn't have a gun, legally that is, of course we can't do a whole lot about the illegal market, but we can you know, have the best people in place to make those decisions and then to continue to develop their abilities to Make those judgments by providing them with state of the art training. And things like, you know, recognizing gang affiliations, uh, whether it's biker gangs or street gangs, uh, recognizing signs of uh, domestic abuse, recognizing uh, extremism, uh, and where it crosses over from, you know, just unpopular opinions into things that are uh, are actually going to represent a a risk to someone or to society as a whole. Um, So we've really taken a very... uh, people-oriented approach to this, and uh, I would like to uh, do everything we can to bring back as much of the administration of the program as we can and do it here on that model, show that that is a superior way of doing things, and hopefully, by leading by example, uh, drive change at the federal level.
5: Okay, shall we get into some of the questions? This is actually yes. a good segue because we the first question we have is specifically from Doug Roddenbush. He says, uh, do I understand uh, Bill c twenty one correctly that there is a section designated to withdraw some of the provincial CFO autonomy, specifically issuing of ATTs and ATCs permits?
2: Uh, so yes, there is a provision uh, which deals uh, as far as i've have understood it so far and of course that remember the bill will evolve okay because there hasn't been amended yet hasn't even it's only at first reading but but the uh, uh, the questioner is probably asking about a provision that would uh, withdraw the ability of a chief firearms officer to issue an authorization to carry for the defense of life uh, and centralize that power in the commissioner of firearms and so I want to emphasize how difficult it is to get one of these permits. There are very, very few of these in Canada. The smallest hamlet in the U.S. would probably have more of them than there are in all of Canada. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these are – and and I have personal experience with these. Every case is minutely scrutinized. And, uh, you know, we deal with them in a very thorough fashion, but they have to be dealt with promptly because by definition and by the nature of the legal framework, these are only in the most extreme cases that these can be used. And these cases are urgent. They cannot wait to work their way up 15 levels of bureaucracy to someone in Ottawa. The commissioner of firearms is the commissioner of the RCMP. She has a few other things to do besides decide whether, uh, you know, Mary Jones in some place in uh, Manitoba or BC or Saskatchewan uh, really needs to have an authorization to carry for defensive life. And these decisions need to be made promptly with detailed local information. And that's why I feel that the only viable place for those decisions to be made would continue to be in chief firearms offices. And I believe the number of, uh, the very small number of these that are issued is a strong testament to the fact that we are upholding the uh, very uh, demanding requirements for issuance of such authorizations. The
3: last Mm -hmm. time I heard there were like two of those issued in all of Canada, Uh, just out of curiosity, do you happen to know how many of those applications you would get in a year in Alberta?
2: Uh, well, uh, I can't s- give, I can't disclose too much about this because knowing that someone doesn't have an authorization to carry could also pose a risk to them, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. these are, these are cases where often someone is targeting someone. And mm-hmm. so if I say, oh, well, no, that person doesn't have one, uh, that would be, exposing that person to more risk than they're already in. Okay. So, but I can tell you that the number is very, very small, very, 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 very small, very small in Alberta. Um, there are very few applications because people know that it's hard to get and even fewer that actually make it through. So it's, this is not like, um, It is in some places in the U.S. where they have, uh, you know, something that you can just uh, uh, ask for it or take a course. Um, Every one of these cases has to be very carefully scrutinized by a chief firearms officer and their staff. Uh, It requires usually I'd say several man days worth or person days to be more politically correct. I suppose several person days of, of effort concentrated in a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, because there, we have to, uh, ensure, you know, verify that the risk is actually real, uh, check that the police are unable to provide, uh, the protection, ensure that the person has full understanding of what their, are Uh, obligations and responsibilities would be if they were issued such a license. And of course, make sure that they also have the technical proficiency to do it. So, you know, to actually uh, respond with force if they were required to. So this is not an easy process. It is not regarded flippantly by anyone of the chief firearms offices across the country, including ours. And uh, I think it's, it would be a great disservice to that narrow uh, segment of the Canadian population that requires and is um, is likely to be authorized to have one of these to focus it in the um, uh, centrally in Ottawa, where there is no way that it could be done with the time that it needs to be done.
4: Hmm. My application to get one to go to Seven Eleven is probably not going to go through. Then,
6: <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <it's not>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Only to
2: Walmart, I uh, yeah. Walmart. <laughs> well, we might be able to suggest a few jurisdictions in the U.S. where you could move if you were looking for that. Oh, <laughs> awesome!
5: Okay, uh, so, Kyle, do you want to do you want to take up the next question? Sure.
1: I think you okay. kind of answered this earlier, but uh, question: yeah. Terry is her understanding that the limit of five for long guns would make most shotguns prohibited with one and three quarter inch shells? would allow more than five
2: rounds yes well so this comes back to something that i mentioned earlier and that is um that we so they talk uh uh, the the announcements about magazine restrictions uh, have been made by people who with all due respect are quite obviously not firearms proficient Okay. And so, uh, they have simply said long guns, magazines for long guns. Okay. Now, if you were to take them at their word, that would mean also rimfire, uh, firearms, and that would mean manually operated firearms, whether they be bolt action, pump action, uh, you know, lever action. Um, but, uh, it may be, it may be that what they really intended to, um, Uh, say was the same type, uh, these magazine restrictions would apply to the same types of firearms that they currently uh, apply to, but uh, they just, you know, uh, were overly loose with their language due to lack of knowledge. My hope is that that's the case. Uh, But there will be uh, regulations that will follow and it's only once we see those regulations that we'll know exactly what they're attempting to do uh, I think the important thing is to uh, recognize or, or to uh, raise the issue with uh, the the people who are going to be reviewing these uh, things in committee and ensure that uh, people recognize that for example uh, you know imposing a five round limit uh, if it were applied to, uh, manually operated centerfire rifles. It wouldn't just be shotguns. I mean, all those uh, sporterized Lee Enfields that have taken uh, zillions of deer and moose and other game uh, for decades in Canada would suddenly have problems. Yeah.
4: And your tube-fed rimfire rifles yeah. and yeah, yeah, all sorts of stuff. It would yeah. be a, that would be a yeah. mess.
2: Well, uh, and to come back to the same issue that was raised by the questioner about uh, pump-action shotguns, so uh, uh, I have a a Kui bolt-action rifle with a tube magazine, and it will feed shorts, longs, and long rifles. Well, if you were to limit it so that it would only hold uh, five shorts, that would only amount to about three long rifles. Yep.
5: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I've got a 357 lever gun, same thing. Do I then have to limit it to the shortest thing that goes into it? Like, it's very confusing. Mm -hmm. I think we'll we'll
5: know more when. Yeah, we'll have. Like, there's so much we don't know. Uh, Just wanted to say welcome to Jen. Jen's on. From uh C S triple A. We're gonna have her come on in a few minutes. Well, she's already on, but she's been listening <laughs> in the background.
2: Yes. So got- I'm, I'm probably taking all her time with my no, long-winded no. answer. No, this
5: is great.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> hey Mo, do you want to read the next question that I've popped up here on the screen? Okay, you're, you're muted. muted. <laughs> we've only been doing it for a year now. <laughs> okay, don't, he doesn't- don't mute it is still muted.
3: Okay, I'll read the question since Mo is Thanks, in. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> will people who had a restraining order for a fight? I should have had Terry say that. She should have. She would have said it much more diplomatically than I. <laughs> From Andrew, will people who had a restraining order for a fight when they were younger have their pals revoked now?
2: So, I guess I. will people ask me a lot of questions of interpretation. Okay, and there are a couple of caveats that I have to have. First of all, we don't have the final version of the legislation. Uh, mm-hmm. Second thing is uh, that um, the word of a CFO is has no force of law, okay? So I, I could say whatever I liked and it, it wouldn't you know that that wouldn't uh, uh, stand up in court as oh well, Terry said I could, you know uh, So uh, that's the second thing. And um, the third thing is that even if you ask a lawyer, remember that once it reaches court, the courts have consistently concluded that fifty percent of legal opinions are wrong. Okay, yeah. so uh, because there's always uh, there's a winner and a loser. So, uh, but my belief is that this is something that's going as as I have seen it so far. That what's going to happen is that new restraining orders will have this consequence if the bill stands as it is now. But I don't think that that would be the case. That someone had who had a restraining order long ago would um, have their power revoked. But we're going to have to see. You know, uh, there's an old saying by um, by. Um, Uh, Judge Gideon Tucker of New York surrogate court in 1866, no man's life, liberty or property is safe while the legislature is in session. And uh, and so, you know, we're going to have to wait and see um, what comes out of that legislative process in Ottawa. And um, there hasn't been a whole lot of common sense come out of there in in quite a while. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah.
5: Adrian, you want to take this one?
4: Yeah. Question for Dr. Bryant. How hard is it for the CFO to authorize overtime to deal with transfer backlogs? Any insight into the other provinces?
2: Uh, well, I don't know about the other provinces. We were in the fortunate position here that we inherited a big backlog when we took over this office because the federal, uh, our federal predecessors had allowed a backlog to accumulate as they were winding down. And, uh, so we got some authorized, some overtime authorized to deal with that. And we're using some of it, you know, um, to help deal with, uh, with this issue now. So, um, but in general, it's not an easy thing to get. Uh, it depends. Uh, so the way that firearms offices are funded is in principle federal, like the feds are supposed to be paying for all of these offices, but they pay according to a formula. Yeah. And so, um, the the um, uh, the that formula uh, often doesn't leave much wiggle room for doing anything other out of the ordinary.
5: That is correct. Yeah. Says somebody who is a government employee. <laughs> 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 me. I, I, I,
2: I mean, uh, I, I, if, if overtime were easy to get, I'd be a rich woman by now, but, uh, all right. <laughs> my contract doesn't call for any.
5: No, there is a question. Somebody does have a question. Uh, do you have any insight in how it might affect uh, pellet and airsoft guns? It's part um, of this, this measure or the bill.
2: Yeah. So, um, there, there is a provision in there as it stands now um, that uh, would affect. uh, So there are, there are things that there's a sort of a gap between what's required to meet the firearm standard and what's required to uh, meet certain other standards. So there's sort of an intermediate range where uh, things uh, are currently unregulated and what this would propose uh, would be that these things would be um, uh, now they would fall fall under the under the rules so they would no longer be this sort of wiggle room and I think what they're they're targeting now I understand the concern that people have uh, that there are people who um, you know go out with something that looks like a gun and um, that causes a great deal of anguish to people. It may end up causing them considerable risk because the police may think they have a real gun and, um, many of those situations will end up tragically. Uh, but people need to exercise a bit of common sense here. And, um, you know, if you are, uh, quite frankly, I don't know where they, how they would draw the line because, you know, When I was younger, I thought I knew a lot about guns because there were every gun that I saw, I could identify what it was. If I saw something in a movie, I could say, hey, oh, that's this, you know, that's a Browning High Power. That's a Colt 1911. But now there's so many uh, different firearms that have that look very similar because they're designed for the same market and trying to get around regulatory constraints in various jurisdictions that, uh, you know, Just because it's black uh, and is long and has a shoulder stock and a pistol grip, that's probably enough to, um, to cause people to panic when they see it. You know, or on so, the
4: flip side, you look at a, a Beretta Neos and you're like, I don't know, that looks like some Buck Rogers toy.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. it, you know, they, they, I've always been surprised when they would say, you know, say, oh, well, it will help things if we make, make toys have an orange tip on the barrel. Well, uh, you know, if I were a bad guy, I'd paint an orange tip on my gun. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I do understand that concern when I hear it. But then I'm I'm thinking, well, realistically, you can you know stick your hand with a finger out in your hoodie, and all of a sudden no. you've got a gun. You can no. carve one out of a piece of wood. I mean, I have training guns that are just black pieces of plastic. No. So
2: no. what we really need to be doing, and in this is many cases, as I said, it's common sense. But common sense isn't all that common nowadays. And so we really need to have uh, you know some educational. Uh, a better educational program so that if people are using airsofts or uh, pellet guns and so on, that they recognize that even though it might not legally be a gun, they need to exercise some self-restraint in their behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have been, uh, my, my husband used to work at a hobby shop for a while, and, uh, they sold airsofts and we went out in the parking lot and people were, were ducking around shooting each other with, with airsoft guns in the parking lot, you know, of a, you know in a, in a, in a major city. I mean, this, it was just asking for trouble. Why would yeah. people be so stupid? You know, so we need to, uh, have people, uh, need to have more education, like retailers who are selling these things need to be educating people and, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of them do now, um, but obviously not enough. Well,
3: yeah. yeah, somebody does something stupid like that without thinking. I mean, we used to do stuff like that when we were younger, but we'd call all the neighbors first and say, hey, we're idiots. and We're going to be running it, running around in the <laughs> woods with airsoft guns. Yeah. So, you know, just so you know, don't call the cops.
6: Yeah.
2: And I had well- friends
3: <laughs> who do it and they used to actually call the local cops and just say, hey, if anybody happens to call in, here's what we're doing and where.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, a lot depends on circumstance. It's one thing to be doing it out in a, you know, um, in a, you know, semi-rural area or something like that, but in a downtown, you know, in a, in a, in a city, major city parking lot, you know, where there are people who obviously are there coming and going and they don't know what's going on. I mean, it was just, that was not responsible behavior and that doesn't, when, when people behave that way, it's not reflecting well on, on the community that they are part of. And so all of us uh need to to um you know try and be role models for uh our communities and yep. um uh, yep. you know uh try and show by example what responsible behavior is.
6: Yeah, yep.
3: absolutely.
1: Yep. Yep. yep.
5: Kyle, you're up with yep. this one.
2: Okay.
1: So Craig Dunn asks RPAL applications, how long do they normally take? I'm on seven now. Seven months now. Chances of it being done before Trudeau's C21 takes full effect. Uh,
2: well, I guess uh, there's several key points in there. One is normally. What is normally? So normally, I mean, the, the, the standard of service is supposed to be something like about 45 days. Okay. Uh, but that hasn't been the case for a very long time. And um, it depends on circumstances. It depends on whether people uh, sent their applications in, in paper or whether they uh, sent them in online. Uh, It depends on, on um, uh, a great many um, uh, factors. Like a a lot of times people have sent their application in, it has a minor uh, problem with it. um, And that, is having a in the current system where they have a a very limited um, uh, they've had, they've they've been bumping up against their capacity constraints in Miramichi. Um, Something that normally would be only a minor issue is cascading into a major issue. And so it's a, um, um, the, the, the shorter answer to that is uh, six to 12 months is not uncommon right now, unfortunately. Wow. And um, that's one of the things – I mean, I consider that to be completely appalling – it's yeah. totally yeah. unacceptable. Um, it's It has a, a huge impact on people. And it's not just, you know, oh, somebody's hobby. I mean, in many cases, it could be, uh, you know, a rancher who needs that rifle to, to uh, go out and uh, uh, protect his herd. Um, so um, that's part of why I feel it's essential that we bring things back uh, and control them here in Alberta uh, so that we can establish and maintain reasonable, uh, reasonable times. Um, the other thing, uh, the second part of that question was, will it happen before these, this, uh, freeze gets cut off anybody's guess? Cause we don't know when that date will be.
5: Yeah. I felt that's one of the things I felt most sorry for the people that are still waiting for those pals to come in and they can't purchase yeah. a firearm and yeah. Yep. Crystal yep. buddies got who
3: just did their firearms course spent a weekend and more mm-hmm. time researching and researching pistols and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and it may turn out that oh yeah, I'm sorry, if you can't have one.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Next question is uh, so Paul he is selling to family members a bunch of his collection. Is there a portal where you can use instead of using the queue? So he's selling. So yeah, so that's the new transfer oh no it's restricted so it yeah, won't
4: work only if it's non-restricted we don't have access to the restricted
3: transfers that'd be nice
6: saves for calling time yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean there's no
3: way around the system
2: right now yeah Mm -hmm.
3: I emailed in a while ago because I had a transfer that was taking forever. So I just I couldn't get through. So I emailed them and said, Hey, I've been trying for three days to get through. And they emailed me back the next day and said, Yeah, go sit on the phone. I'm like, well, you
6: Keep emailed trying. me
3: I literally <laughs> sent you all the information you will ask me for on the phone. Literally everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Nope, you got a call. Like, oh, well, welcome to nineteen ninety nine. That's fabulous.
5: Yeah. One of the questions, it wasn't really well explained, but one of the questions was specifically about uh, you You were talking about suppressors. How can we change people's thoughts on that? Because I do know that a lot of people actually don't know that a country that, like, European country, like England, you're yeah. required to have a suppressor. Um, yeah. They think more along, I think people in education, people are thinking about, you know, whether it's a John Wick movie or something, they're more of the whole... They think about the Hollywood and it is actually something that creates risk or or more propensity to use firearms in a way that they're not supposed to be used. So how can we actually change that? People are people, a couple of people said, how can we change this?
2: Uh, well, I think that, that the, the really important thing is to um, is education. You know, I mean, we need to. Um, get hard facts, okay, not generalities, but say, look, you know, here's the actual rules in this country, in that country, and be prepared with those when uh, the topic uh, comes up and people say, oh, uh, well, you know, uh, we should use uh, Germany as a model for our firearms regulations or England as a model. Oh, really? Well, by the way, here's part of their, their model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's great. I, I agree.
5: Like uh, Dave, do you want to read this one?
2: Uh,
3: Daguerre Phillips says, I have never had this answered. What if Alberta just said no? What if Alberta said people can use their arrows and pistols, providing they are legally allowed to do so? Well, it wouldn't be legally allowed to because, yeah, there's laws yeah. about that. But can Alberta just tell the feds no? Uh,
2: you, no. Can
5: or you can or not. Choose not.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, you know, as I as I said uh, earlier in response to another question, uh, the word of a chief firearms officer doesn't have the force of law. Okay, wow. we make decisions, and our decisions are reviewed by courts. So, um, you know, if if we refuse or revoke somebody's um, license, uh, they can request a reference hearing, and so uh, it's not a um it's not simply it's just not an option to just say uh no we're not going to do that because it wouldn't change the law here and remember we don't actually enforce the law like the chief firearms office doesn't enforce the law we issue licenses we uh, uh, authorizations things like that we don't enforce the law the people who enforce the law are the police which is, you know, the RCMP and, and forces like that. And they're going to apply the federal law that's in the criminal code and the firearms act. So right. um, it's, it's, it's a nice thought, uh, but you can't. I put up, up another, like the states.
5: Uh, yeah, I put up another, um, more of a statement. People were saying, well, there's Quebec and they do their own thing as well. So it isn't actually, it is a fair question because they, they introduced the long end registry back in Quebec.
2: Well, yeah, you see, the thing is uh, so again, I'm not a lawyer. Okay. And I'm especially not a constitutional (laughs) lawyer. um, Thank goodness um, on both counts. But um, so there, there is a, there is this thing called the notwithstanding clause but the notwithstanding clause doesn't enable you to opt out of all laws. It enables you to, to, if a certain law would violate someone's charter rights, it enables you to say, we're going to do that anyway. Okay. It doesn't mean that you can say, oh, yeah, well, we, we think, uh, you know, uh, murder should be Okay. Uh, or uh, you know, uh, theft under five thousand dollars is not really all that much. So who cares? You know, we can't opt out of laws like that. Okay, I, I wouldn't suggest that we should, but um, uh, particularly with those examples. But I'm using that as a as an illustration of uh, there are um, the notwithstanding clause enables you to uh, get around laws that. Um, that um, would otherwise be considered to violate someone's rights, okay? And uh, so that's what the notwithstanding clause is that people are talking about. It doesn't enable you to just say, well, we're not going to do that. Um, and then on the, the um, uh, oh, uh, well, anyway, it was a long question, long answer, but that's ba- basically, oh, uh, the long gun registry, that's what, what the other part was. So they were specifically granted an exemption. They were allowed to do that. It wasn't. It wasn't that they, wasn't that they um, uh, did something that was prohibited. The the law allowed them to create the long gun register, their own long gun registry. So, um, you know what what we need to be doing is advocating, and and this is one of the things that I've advocated for is uh, that legislation should allow us to opt out of things. Uh, what I want us to do is not just opt out, but Uh, if the feds are going to spend a big pile of money in a certain way and we choose to opt out, then we should get our share of that money so we can spend it on something useful.
5: I believe that is a good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just going through. You've answered some of these questions already, so I'm just going to continue scrolling.
1: Okay. Um, I have one that was texted to me while you're scrolling. Perfect. Um, Will the CFO help or help implement or pursue getting uh, school programs or education on gun safety back in the schools?
2: Okay. So um, every every uh, province has a slightly different model for how they administer firearms education. In our case, we have a partnership agreement with IHEA, the Alberta Hunter Education Instructors Association, and they basically do all of that. Okay, and they do. In uh, there are actually some schools that do have some firearms education in them. Okay, and so uh, and they they are the ones who are working on that kind of thing. I can tell you that um, I think that it is a I think that that's a a viable goal for some schools, uh, but I think that uh, the idea of it being universal in schools. uh would probably be uh a, a- quite a long shot, with the exception that I think uh, where we might have some ability would just be on the very basic element, not firearms usage or anything, but just uh, the safety element of what to do if you see a firearm, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I think we might be able to work that into the curriculum just as, you know, the same way that I don't know whether they still do, but long, long ago when I was a child, uh, you know, they did traffic safety in school. You know, you learned, uh, you know, that you were supposed to look both ways before you cross the street and stuff like that. I could potentially see that as a viable goal uh, in, in a society today. Back then, they had, they had Elmer the safety elephant was the one who would <laughs> tell us the...
5: Oh, God, I'm old. I remember that too. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that guy. Loved Elmer. <laughs> uh, so... There's just a couple more comments. The majority of the comments were saying thank you for taking uh, so much, uh, taking time out of your b- busy, busy schedule, and coming on and informing everybody about this, and uh, also supporting uh, firearms owners in Alberta. There is some questions about other uh, CFOs. What can we do for our own provinces? For those of us aren't, you know what? I'd love to move to Alberta. I'd love for you to adopt me. So. <laughs>
2: Well, oh, come on the- out here. It's a beautiful <laughs> province. We love gun owners out here. Um, we, you know, um, we have uh, uh, right now things I think are better in Alberta than they've been in quite a while. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I think you know, if we continue in our direction, they're going to get even better. So, yeah, come on out. Awesome. Kelly and I will carpool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on out here, and I'll show you my. I'll show you Japanese military until you run away screaming.
3: I will say we were out uh, at Drumheller in 2019 for our our charity shoot. And as soon as I went into Alberta, stopped Mm -hmm. at a gas station for gas, walked in. They had guns and ammunition. And I'm like, "Ah, God, I love this place. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt like home. It really, really felt like home. The people were Mm -hmm. awesome. It was just a great place. I loved it.
5: Oh, uh, we have a question. What's the ipsic like out there? So this actually is going we're we're going to get into some um, questions for John in just a minute, but this is going to devastate some shooting sports across Canada specifically obsec.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, what I, you know, uh, one of the things I want to emphasize is that this bill has just been introduced, right? Mm-hmm. It has ideas in it. The bill will not necessarily be passed into its uh, into actually having effect and it will not necessarily even if it is passed be exactly in the form that it has it has now yeah, true uh, And so uh, what I would like to do is to you know um, I want to be in on the process of uh, of um, uh, I have testified before Senate committees for many many years. the earliest time was back in the 90s okay um, early 90s um and uh, most recent was 2019 okay so um i would like to, us to ha- have as much input as possible and right now the the, the um, exemptions for competitors is very narrow it's basically you know olympic
5: right. uh, sports i have but, a question you know, how do, how do you get to olympic level so that you can shoot correct mm-hmm.
4: No. Could you say do that you- I'm Olympic level? I'm <laughs> striving for it. It's the magic wand,
5: you need <laughs> the magic wand. <laughs> but if you can't possess or you can't actually shoot or compete, yeah. how can Gotta you get, get to that level.
2: level? Well, I don't. Uh, as as the regulations are structured, one would uh, the the implicit assumption in there is that they're trying to just make sure that this nobody does that it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But what I would like to see. Um, first of all, I, th- I would like to see the whole bill just go away. Okay, but if if the bill proceeds uh, as a uh, as a an interme- intermediate measure, what we could do is uh, you know expand that the person has to be uh, you know an active competitor in a recognized international sport. OK. And of course, then that would allow, you know, IPSC and defensive pistol and cowboy action shooting and, and all kinds of things which are done on a broad international scale. Um, ideally, we wouldn't need to, to get to that point of having to demonstrate that you're doing that, but it would be better than having it just be Olympic.
5: Right. So in other words, register for as many competitions as possible. The- Shoot in as many competitions as possible until this comes into effect. So the and then if you're registering, you keep those copies of everything so that you can prove that you're actually participating in a sport.
2: Yeah. What I, What I'm proposing to 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 people, uh, I have a poster that I put up in our Calgary office. It's one of those classic ones, you know, with the crown on it that says "Keep calm and carry on." Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, you know, that's what we all need to do. We need to stay calm. We need to. Uh, propose viable alternatives to the the ideas that have been put forward we need to avoid inflammatory language we need yep. to be politically active uh, and um, continue to uh, do the things we've done have our gun shows uh, have um, you know uh, competitions nice. uh, and show that we are an ongoing viable community and that, I think, is going to be um, uh, uh, the way that we're going to accomplish something, you know, is uh, we show that we're responsible people doing safe, responsible things, uh, that we approach our role in society in a responsible fashion Uh, that we are safety-minded, that we are public-spirited, that we are trying in every way possible to have a positive impact on safety. I think that these uh, organizations that are organizing competitions, this is the best thing that you can have in terms Mm -hmm. of creating – uh, like every, people bounce this idea around about gun culture, like a gun culture was a bad thing. Every country has a gun culture of some kind. That gun culture is basically how do people view firearms, okay? And all of these competitions and hunting and uh, collecting and so on, these are the things that create a positive gun culture because they view the firearm as playing a positive role in society, And so if we withdraw those things that are helping to create a positive impression, then all we are left with is the oftentimes sensationalized or negative images that we get in movies, the media, Mm -hmm. video games, and so on. And uh, there would be no counterbalance to that.
5: Correct. Absolutely. So guess what it is on June 4th, which is Saturday. It's national range there. Yes. Get out there. Participate. By the way, fry, fly those freak flags. Like I, They're not freak yep. flags.
2: Anyways. <laughs> well, I'll be on a range. On, on June 4th, I'll be on a range. I'll be Fantastic. in the million Gun Club range for a cowboy action shoot. Nice. That's
5: nice. so awesome. But just promote it. Share it. Tell yes. your friends about it. Because, you know what? If you Look, Terry. Terry. Terry's out at a range, and uh, she's normal, and she's a great lady, and she's a professional.
2: Yeah. So, so, what do you think if I if I do cowboy action shooting? What do you think my handle should be like? big red or <laughs> quite frankly
3: i think you've already got an awesome name for it just cut the terry off and go with jane bryant i mean that's like a mm. sheriff name right there
2: yeah okay wait
3: wait wait are you gonna shoot it with a nambu should it be like
6: nambu Weeb or something
3: like that <laughs> samurai outfit
2: well i did recently uh i, I recently got a uh an uberti um 357 magnum, you know, single action army and and I put I put it in my display because it deceives everybody. It has what they refer to as original finish. So it mm-hmm. they basically distressed it so it looks old mm-hmm. and everybody thinks it's an antique. But they they didn't make yeah, you know, uh, none, none of the gunslingers use 357 magnums that I'm uh, aware of. Mm-hmm. Doc
3: Bryant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Jared has won.
5: (laughs) (sighs) Awesome. Um, Yeah. Anyways. Thank you so much. This has been a great uh, segment. Just fantastic to have you on.
2: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, um, this just goes to show in, in my mind that, you know, you get a bunch of gun people together, you're going to have fun. Yep. It, it's the best community around, um, not slamming uh, other groups. I'm sure the people who like playing tiddlywinks or, uh, <laughs> uh, or uh, you know, uh, uh, collecting Muppet dolls or things, they, they all probably also have a great community. But we have one that's, uh, you know, uh, really outstanding. Uh, it's a community that uh, we should all be proud of it has a long history we have our heroes we have our history we have our uh you know our our uh, events and traditions and uh, i want to see that continue uh for a very long period uh, in in um into the future and continue to grow here here uh, yeah
5: absolutely awesome. yeah
2: so, yeah. so thank you all for all the work that you're doing as well, to, because, uh, you know, it's important that we, I mean, in, you know, in my day, you had to actually go to a gun show to meet a, or to the range to meet other gun people. Now there's all these other, uh, electronic ways of which I'm only very vaguely familiar, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh I, uh, just as times move on and, and, uh, You know, people are now using Glocks and SIGs instead of uh, single action armies, except at Cowboy Action Shoots. Uh, You know, we need to move on in terms of how we form communities, too. And uh, so I appreciate the work you're doing to keep at the leading edge of that process.
5: Well, thank you very much. Thank
2: you. Awesome. So are we done? (laughs) <laughs> well, we could just talk for hours yet yeah. yeah yeah hey this is fun here you have to get up early yeah. well i do get up early i do do go to bed early i do get up early so
3: um. well thanks Terry. Well, that was that out. was amazing yeah,
2: yeah. okay well, everybody's thank you. oh sorry go ahead
5: i just thank you Oh, you're more than welcome. You're welcome to stick around. We're gonna t- we're going to actually talk to uh, Jen a little bit okay. and talk about the impacts of C21 right now on the industry itself. So, just Jen's with the CS a So we're gonna we're gonna do that. Jen, you all ready?
0: I am. What an act to follow. Oh my goodness. <laughs>
3: <laughs> big Jeff, big big Nambu shoes.
0: Holy, no kidding. <laughs> I'm, yes, about- um, I'm with CSAAA, the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association.
5: Yeah.
3: What, so- do you, what do you do for the folks? What is what is your organization for people who just don't know?
0: Yeah. What do you do? Um, wow. Okay. So we are the organization that supports the industry. Um, basically every branch of the industry that has anything to do with hunting or firearms. I hope you guys can hear me okay. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Yes. Okay, amazing. Sorry, thank you. Um, so we uh, are involved in all of the parliamentary discussions that have anything to do with firearm regulations or hunting regulations that would directly impact the industry or the support system for our retailers, detail, uh, dealers, manufacturers. Yeah. So you
5: actually support the industry side of things, the retailers, exactly. the manufacturers. yeah Opposed so. to
0: um, the consumer group organizations. So with
5: C21 there has been some significant changes over the oh, the last couple of days. However, before, before before we get there, I just wanted yeah. to actually get a little bit of uh, information about you. I've known you for a little bit. Yeah. You're a fantastic lady. Um but uh, you recently came on board with uh, CS triple a and but why don't you give everybody a little bit of background about who you are and you actually are a shooter you're an outdoors woman you go and hunt okay i'm actually giving you your bio i'm gonna stop i'm gonna let you do that
0: sure um you'll probably do a better job than i will but uh yes i'm a hunter a shooter i do ipsic and steel challenge so bill c21 is really hitting me hard and all of my friends at the range um Big into hunting. I live in Ontario, so I mostly hunt turkey, deer, goose, Um, and yeah. Other than the handgun or firearms and hunting, I just do CS stuff. This is my life. (laughs) This is your life.
5: It's probably taken on a life of its own, as I said over the last uh, couple of days as well. I know that the industry has been absolutely. I mean,
0: we got hit with C seventy one, and then not long after, we got hit with you know the possibility of C21 so it's just right the industry is definitely booming right now extremely busy and mm-hmm. they're going through tons of challenges so let's talk about some of those little those challenges what about yeah.
5: specifically i know that uh they you know the retailers that we're seeing they are working uh t- they're open almost 24 hours a day now with just trying to get process sales and <sighs>
0: That's it. We have um, our retailers, our business members, they're working through the night, they're working all morning. I understand that the system is extremely backlogged. So the online business web services that they use to process these transfers is often crashing. Um, The phone lines are just completely flooded so they can barely get through. They're having a very hard time even processing the transfers that they're getting in. Yeah. And of course, having to do non-restricted transfers now, too, doesn't help.
5: <laughs> no, this, it's just compiled. Or, yeah, I, yeah.
0: I, I really, really feel for them. And we don't know what's to come. I mean, we're getting retailers calling in saying, hey, should we order more stock? Is there going to be a freeze right now? It's
5: And you're not being brought up to speed on it at all.
0: You know? No, you, that's, that you have that's some the big problem. Yeah. Yeah. We had a meeting this morning with CFP and we had so many questions and concerns. And of course, since, like Terry said, the final draft of the regulations aren't available or probably even drafted, they couldn't comment to most of our questions.
5: Yeah. I actually think that you're correct. It's not, it hasn't been. Fully drafted. They don't even no. know. Uh, it was a reflex that they've implemented. Saw an opportunity. I'm just going to leave it right there. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Completely <laughs> jerk reaction. <laughs> um, but one of the things that was in C21 was that the bill indicated that businesses won't receive any compensation for business loss or anything that uh, maybe stock that they can't sell.
0: You said won't correct.
5: Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I thought. Pin- I-
0: Want to make sure I heard it yeah, right? Said, um, yeah. you, okay. No. Yeah, that's a big, big question we had, and uh, the answer I was directly given was that they don't need compensation because they can still sell to law enforcement and elite shooters. But I don't see too many law enforcement or Olympic shooters walking into your local gun store to pick Bunging up their supplies. An STI. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that was a concern from a couple people I talked to that are in retail because they're like, well, so we're selling like crazy, but basically the government has said you better not bring more stuff in because mm-hmm. you're going to lose money. So I see that as a as a real, uh, like a delaying tactic, just to try and stop people from importing stuff.
0: Exactly. I mean, they told us that they have not delayed or halted imports from CBSA. That was my question. Yeah. Yes. No, those at this moment have not been you know, delayed in any way or stopped, but this kind of leaves our manufacturers up in the air also because they don't know what to build next. We don't know what other firearms might hit the OIC going forward. Um, We weren't even given any sort of a hint as to what the list might look like to tell our manufacturers, hey, don't make this, do make this.
5: Right. Because that was part of it as well. They said that they are looking at another 350, was it 350 guns that they were going to actually look at to, potentially to the OAC? Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. And um, we kind of pushed for just even a tiny hint, but maybe they don't even know. <laughs> okay. Well,
3: it won't make as good if they give, give you guys a hint, it won't be as good when Justin gets to stand up there and go, We are keeping you safe from increasing assault. Weapons. Of
0: course. That's William Shatner. We are pushing to make sure that we're involved in every possible conversation because this is just going to be detriment, detrimental to so many aspects of the industry.
5: Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about that a little bit? So yeah. finan- financially, uh, the retailers that I know of, and also the manufacturers, by the way, have said that uh, based on what they've seen, they will never recover from it financially, that they it will bank them, bankrupt them essentially.
0: I can definitely um understand that. I mean, I think in twenty twenty one there was something like thirty-six million dollars worth of handguns imported into Canada. Mm-hmm. And um to put that into comparison, I guess there was like forty-eight million shotgun dollars worth of shotgun imports. Um, so that's a huge, huge portion of their inventory, a huge portion of their Income, like this is their livelihood that's at stake. And the magazine capacity uh, restrictions are another thing that's extremely concerning because, again, there's no details on that whatsoever. But we asked, what about non detachable magazines, shotguns? I mean, this could affect outfitters. Plenty of people come from the States to hunt goose and do different forms of hunting that they can't do down there. They're not going to possibly destroy their firearms to meet Canadian standards to hunt here.
5: Absolutely. Those are some of the questions that we had previously in, in the chat as well. Before, oh, no,
0: sorry. <laughs> I figured a lot of it was already maybe answered or... Oh, no, no. Ab- no, but the reality
5: is people, it, from your perspective, this is all about the business side of thing. We have people in exactly. Canada that are their livelihood is outfitting uh, spring bear hunts or going up into uh, the hunting elk or whatever it is so these people they they're wondering if they're actually going to be able to have a livelihood
0: exactly absolutely i mean this is like you said their livelihood this is their job what are they going to do after this Mm
5: -hmm. and right now the right now what we have for answers is you know nothing
0: yeah yeah Literally, long, uh, no comment is the answer.
3: <laughs> a lot of those people have been hit so hard with with COVID as well that people haven't exactly. been come up for trips and haven't been able to get out to hunting lodges and stuff. So that would be, I mean, even a, even a minor, well, quote unquote, minor inconvenience, like you have to buy a new shotgun. I mean, that might just destroy them.
0: Yep. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially if people are coming into Canada specifically to shoot, they're not going to want to buy a new firearm just for that. And I mean, my concern is, what about the manufacturers that send us handguns? If they can't do that anymore, how much are they going to want to work with us if they're so limited as to what they can and can't ship us? Yeah, absolutely true.
3: Oh, they won't. We're such a tiny portion of their market. I mean, it's not worth
0: the time. Exactly. It's the unfortunate truth. What
5: about, uh, do you hear grumblings from people, especially manufacturers about, uh, their viability here in Canada they're just going to pack up and head down south
0: we haven't heard anything yet um okay. unfortunately yeah exactly no we haven't heard anything yet I was so talking, I I was
4: talking just, with someone who was who was thinking about moving down
0: they are it's just
4: yeah. well um I mean
0: it makes sense <laughs> like
4: yeah it's it's, if, it's hard to like things like go. It, business needs uh consistent rules in order to thrive so that they know what what's happening they know what they could plan for and when the when the rules consistently change it's like you can't inv- you can't invest in an environment like no. that and uh and what? we're seeing that with uh with these rules right now right exactly look,
3: what happened with bcl i mean bcl stopped servicing the canadian market for semi-auto rifles because why would they and you look at um who the heck was it? Uh, there was there was a couple companies that actually moved to the states already. They just said screw it and left. Or Matador. guys, Matador. yeah, Matador, Matador. A big
6: one. yeah,
3: yeah. Great was talking about it. And,
6: yeah. yeah.
3: Well, look at Maccabi. I mean, Maccabi, their entire business is building SLRs, and then the government just says not an AR. Oh wait, it is an AR. You're out of business. Mm-hmm. Like they spent millions of dollars developing that rifle, and all of a sudden, nope, you're out of luck. Yep. Or uh, Alberta Tactical. How much money did they spend developing the modern sporter? And, oh, well, yep, you're out of luck. Yeah.
5: Exactly. So, again, you're talking about you've had a conference, call, well, a meeting this morning. Yeah. And it, there was no feedback. There was no, we'll, we'll, t- we'll catch up later. Just kind of no comment.
0: <laughs> a lot Plus of it was they, no comment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had so many so not solutions but I guess suggestions that we proposed and we were basically told you know what write it up in a letter send it to us and we'll look it over so we're we're pushing really hard because okay CSAA needs to do you know something big this this is our industry and it's yep. it's in big trouble right now um gun ranges I mean they're going to be in when any of us go to the gun range, how often do we see rifles? It's almost always handguns that we see, at least yeah. at the ones I go to anyways. So
5: how big of an impact will that have on you as you said, going to the gun range, you have um, people that are shooting pistols typically, but there are rifles there too. but yeah, absolutely how big of do does the government know is exactly how much money the um, competitive shooting sports bring? To bring in like the taxes, the range fees, everything like that. How everything. it actually, no, and how much? Fair though, I like, know. That's the dollars, cares. Yeah,
0: I mean, before I was with CS AAA in 2019, they did an economic impact report that showed that there's an unreal amount of money being spent by the firearm community on hunting and sports shooting, and I believe that that was presented to the government, but of course. I don't think that uh, they took that oh, into consideration definitely. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
5: Is it possible to actually challenge that? And the reason that I say that is because of the loss of income and the loss of a livelihood. Do you know?
0: We we have been sort of not openly discussing it, I guess. Um just thinking about what we can do in general. So of course, challenging it came across the table um until we have full details on what these regulations will actually be we're not sure but of course if it goes through there's a huge loss of income like businesses will be shut down so i imagine that there's good grounds to stand on for some legal challenges yeah well
5: we've already seen that with the oic that's currently in place exactly Uh so it's currently being challenged. There's, uh, There was a question in the chat and it was about uh, reversing. Is it possible? Do you think that just like uh, to reverse the, um, with the AR-15s, will we be able to do it with uh, this one as well? What are your sure thoughts? Or maybe even Terry can comment on that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Terry would be much better to. I, of course, don't know about that one, about it being reversed if it is put in place,
2: so, uh, if you're asking me if we can reverse a law, well, you know, uh, we had a long gun registry and we got rid of it. That's true. Um, in most of Canada, anyway. So anything is possible. You know, my you know my earlier comment was was not a flippant one. It wasn't anything that's actually anti-government, but you know, uh, about legislatures because the legislature can decide anything, right? They could decide. Uh, tomorrow that um, everything is fine, you know um, one of the things that is it's it's uh, sometimes helpful and sometimes worrying is that uh, in a system like ours if there's a majority government uh, that majority government can do just about anything
5: Yeah yeah And right yeah, now I mean, we don't right now we don't have a majority government, although we have a coalition. No.
2: Some? Yes, but you know what I was getting at is that uh, you know I mean w- if we have a change of government, then yes. yeah anything is possible. Yes. Do I think this government will reverse itself? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think okay. um, so. Um, All right. Uh, at most, I think of some of these measures, if something happened, they might uh, they might put it on the back burner. You know, if something they were if they if something else came up that they had to focus on.
3: Come on, Russia invasion.
2: <laughs> uh, well, let's hope not. <laughs> 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 so. However, I do speak Russian, so... Oh, do you? No, perfect. Dang. I studied in in the Soviet Union back in 78,
5: 79. Oh, you must be on their list too.
2: Note to all of our (laughs) Soviet collaborators,
3: you have a CFO possibility in Alberta once you know it. So just (laughs) pointing that out. All
6: right.
5: I did ask you privately when somebody was asking about the um, impacts on the Airsoft and uh, also you do have a little insight on that specifically from the retailers and the manufacturers and the people that are importing this, how devastating is it going to be for them?
0: Oh yeah, this would be, I mean, right now, um, sorry, I'm trying to make sure it's, I believe it's CBSA that sets the regulations for what would be deemed a, a replica airsoft firearm. So um and it's anything that has the likeness or might somewhat replicate a firearm i mean that's any that's our break action pellet gun yeah. like so yeah um i mean this is a huge branch of any sport any there's retailers that are specifically set up for air guns so i mean that's their entire business yeah um yeah, yeah. like we were proposed maybe in the states i believe it's regulation that they have orange tips so that they can easily identify them from real firearms. But of course that was.
3: We had uh, Donna Langman on from Wasega Beach Paintball a while ago, and she was, she was talking about that and a a good, all their business is paintball, but they also do uh, airsoft, airsoft rentals, airsoft sales, airsoft days. And I mean, if they're not allowing the import, that sport will just die. And it's unfortunate because those reports are really taking off right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like our IPSEC and our IDPA, all of the, or three gun, any of the firearms that require any of these handguns or firearms that are possibly going to be banned, like the sport's just going to die off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody can get into it. uh, Nobody can get into
5: it, but those that are actually participating in it. So one of the things in the bills was saying basically that, so people, if they already own that firearm, They'll be able to use it. They won't be able to grandfather. They won't be able to um, transfer it to uh, a, a a another family, family member, member or, or whatever. Yeah. But what about those parts, those things? What happens if it breaks? What happens? So, and from the industry side of things too, like you're going to need to have things like more mags. You're going to have a uh, vibe and you're the, going to have to have all the accoutrements to go with your your nice new fancy new pistol that you just bought on Monday night. So
0: exactly. I mean, as far as sports shooting goes, like if I need a new slide for my CZ or a new magazine, how am I going to get that? I mean, I don't imagine retailers are going to be stocking that if they're not selling new handguns, they're not going to sell as many accessories. So optics, um, shooting belts, any sort of sporting accessory or firearm accessory. And what about the uh, people
5: that are importing it or s- or uh, sending it to us? So are they willing to work with Canada, basically? are they just going to?
0: We're not sure yet, but if there's much less stock being ordered, it's hard It'll to say how much they're going to yeah. want to. Exactly. The price is going to go yeah. up big time. And how much are they going to want to work with us if we're just ordering very limited stock? Right yeah so again it's going to it's going to impact yeah people that already own these handguns i mean if something breaks and they can't get parts well, i was
3: thinking instances. about I was thinking about that today because i was talking to a, a young fellow at work who just bought a handgun bought a glock and he wants to do ipsic with it and he said well you know a friend of mine had a glock accidentally got an overload uh, a, a heavy load cracked the frame what mm-hmm. do i do if that happens to me and i said well Buy a half dozen Glocks, I guess, because yeah. I mean, if something happens to your competition pistol, you're you're hosed. You're out of the game for good if you can't get new pistols. If, if uh, YouTube's any indication, hot glue
4: uh, will fix everything.
0: Oh, <laughs> I will definitely hot glue my.
2: You pistols need to make matter. one of those uh, those
4: DIY crafts. Uh, yeah. Hot glue on your Glock frame and
2: <laughs> alien tape. Oh, alien that's our tape. solution, right. Right.
0: There you go. I'll never order a new part again. I'll just get some uh, glue sticks.
5: Yeah, a little
6: glue <laughs> stick on the parts, and are good to
0: go. <laughs> Gorilla glue,
5: it's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts? What are your What do you think?
0: Like, I gun think
5: shows these.
0: That's another thing. I mean, yeah. the gun shows. People go to the gun shows to see the neat guns, the cool guns, all of the guns that are being prohibited. Are manufacturers or retailers going to want to even show up to these gun shows if they can only bring a very, very limited amount of firearms that may or may not be sold? Or people may or may not even attend these shows anymore if handguns and our ARs and whatnot aren't (laughs) going to be present?
5: So that, yeah. So, so for example, like TACOM or... Yeah. Even the Toronto Sportsman Show, that's actually going to, it's going to have a negative effect on that. Yeah, absolutely. well, yeah.
0: And I mean, I know we're discussing C-21, but even C-71, these gun shows run on the weekends and the call center's yep. not open. If they don't have access to internet, then they won't be able to process transfers.
5: That's another thing. Yeah, we are, we're <laughs> concentrating on right now C-21, uh, but yes. C-71, C-71. Yeah. As uh, Terry was talking about, uh, it actually has an effect, and especially on those people that are in up in northern uh, areas where we don't have internet that's reliable. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. So, what's the feedback been from your members about specifically that C71?
0: They're very concerned about the record keeping portion. They have to keep specific records in their store for 20 years. with people's personal information on it. So of course having that their insurance is going to increase because there's going to be the um, personal information of people just logged in their stores. They're going to have to increase their security. So that's a much higher cost for them. And yeah, I mean, the system's backlogged so it's constantly crashing or they can't get through on the phones. We did ask about if the CFOs will be given more funding because obviously they're bombarded with work right now between C21 and C71. Um, We were told that they were given funding in January, but of course, this all came in May. So January was a long time ago. (laughs) A lot has hit them since January. And I feel for the CFOs, I feel for the retailers, like everyone's just getting hit
5: yeah mm-hmm. and i'm sure that terry can agree that that money isn't really there for these reactions or what's taking place mm-hmm. currently right now and mm-hmm. yeah so um specifically about cs AAA, uh yeah, we had some qu- we had some questions so how do we support you guys like there was somebody asking do you have to be a retailer or do you have to be a manufacturer to be a member
0: So since we are an industry organization, you do have to be in some aspect of the hunting or firearm industry. We have um, individual memberships for people that are part of an organization like CCFR or NFA or CSSA. Um, We have media memberships for people that are... um, would Sorry. slamfire Radio quality? Yeah, like slamfire Radio, <laughs> yes. Podcasters, um, people that write the newsletters, uh, retailers, dealers, manufacturers, outfitters. Okay. Anyone that's sort of, yeah, in the circle of firearm or hunting industry. Okay. What about sponsored shooters at all? Um, no, I believe that would fit more under the consumer groups. But uh-huh. uh, that's a good question, actually. I because, thought that's <laughs> good. I mean, yeah, that's actually a good thing to look into, especially now with C twenty one hitting the shooters so hard.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So there we have some uh, sponsored shooters that are uh, on our feed tonight. And I know that one of them actually specifically asked, Can I be a member of uh of your organization as well?
0: Yeah, no, that's something I would definitely want to take back to the board because that's a very good idea. We are of course, trying to support the ranges as well. And um, I understand that ipsic was just recognized under GIASF. So maybe, like, we're trying to push, maybe they can be considered elite shooters. Like,
5: Well, I think they are.
0: Yeah. I if, mean...
5: Hey, if Adriel could be uh, considered an Olympic uh, shooter and Dremel tool guy, um, <laughs> then Ipsic should be actually easily attainable. Yeah.
0: I agree. I mean, right now they're saying only Olympic and Paralympic, but
5: yeah. So, they know. Uh, uh, okay. Within Canada, do you know how many uh, of those types of level of shooters? So they said, don't worry about it. Your industry is not going to get affected at all. You'll still be able to <laughs> sh- sell to uh, LEO and Olympic <laughs> level shooters. So let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I do know that our Olympic program is a fantastic program, but I'm not thinking that there is too many people at that specific level.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I'm assuming most of them are under the, uh, at least Ipsic black badge level. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to find, so you're asking how many sports
5: shooters? Yeah, basically would be able to qualify me. So at an Olympic level, international level, there, our community is not that big.
0: No. Um, and I'm not sure, to be honest, how many shooters would... Uh, we don't deal much with actual shooters, unfortunately, yet. Okay.
5: Like sports shooters. Right. But the what I'm, I think the reason why that I'm asking is because the questions that you're asking, the response is that don't worry about it. You'll be fine because you'll be able to sell to these athletes and then you'll also be able to sell to leo as well
0: yeah absolutely and that's actually something that we haven't looked into is um how many olympic shooters are actually in canada because it's such a small portion of the funds that the industry would get so no that's a good question i thought i'd ask
5: you something that you can actually give back to them saying listen just not this that is such many. a
0: small portion. Exactly. Yeah. Right. There's not many walking into your local gun store to buy a new pistol on the regular. Right. So, what about
5: manufacturers themselves? I know that recently there is uh, there is uh, the Canadian military was uh, they're going to be buying the Seiko there. Uh, what about Canadian uh, manufacturers specifically that are are designing rifles? Are they How can they sell? How can they sell to those? They're okay. The the reason why I'm asking the question is one, they don't know what the bill is going to entail. Correct. Be added to uh, the, um, the OIC from two years ago as well. Right. Uh, But they're also being told that, don't worry about it, that you'll be able to sell your firearms. And so uh, basically we're in flux, right? Or they're in flux. I don't see them as coming off well either.
0: No, absolutely, and um, that's one of the reasons we were looking for so much clarification on what could potentially be hitting the OIC and what the mag capacity limits would look like or mag restrictions would look like for non-detachable magazines because our manufacturers don't know what to keep producing and.
4: Yep. Yeah, it's yes, basically yes. it's tough. On it's it.
0: really hard when there's just no information out there for us. Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, Terry, uh, uh, we initially told you this is going to be like thirty minutes. We're way past there. <laughs> it's Two <now>. hours. <laughs> Please, like <laughs> you don't need to stick around. We're more than ha- happy that to have you on, though.
2: Okay. Well, thank, thank you very much. I, I, it's been a great pleasure being here. And uh, uh, I've seen Jen's picture in uh, Access to Firearms, I think, in the, in the CSAAA ads. So it's a pleasure to meet you virtually as well. And uh, so I'm going to go off and have my Burger. first meal of the day since nice it's to 7 o'clock at night. Uh, wow. And uh, <gasps> then maybe do a bit of work and uh, hopefully uh, – Get a little bit of time to go to bed before you uh, start the whole thing again tomorrow. <laughs>
5: thanks. For
2: okay. okay. Thank thanks you, guys. Fantastic. Oh, thank, thank you, you very you. much
1: for coming Bye.
5: on. And Bye thanks now. for all your hard work.
2: Thank you. No. Do I need to click?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in the outtakes. <laughs>
5: Got it. <laughs> that is... Awesome. Uh, there, she's waving goodbye. Okay. Yeah. So overall, I, I wanted to have you on just because it seems like I do understand that um, we're not getting much
0: I wish, again. I wish we had more information to offer. Exactly. I mean, we have members calling, and I wish they would give us just a, just a little bit. Do well.
2: yeah.
0: um, you have yeah, any yeah, idea how many questions questions were sold about this in, in the last questions. couple of days?
4: Uh, oh, sorry. Oh. I'm throwing a, throwing a question on top of... Uh, She's trying to answer your question there. I think Kelly.
0: Oh no, that's yeah, okay. No. Um, as far as pistols, as far as pistol sales go, I think it was close to like sixty thousand since March.
3: What we normally do in a year—that's awesome.
0: <sighs> yeah, yeah. Our it's a lot. the retailers are just—I mean, it's lineups out the door. It's a lot. They're busy. I feel. I feel for them. They are just exhausted. They're working through the night. They're up early mornings, trying to battle the business web services, plus <laughs> the huge influx yeah. of sales. Um, yeah. Anything There's a else lot that, going out the door.
5: Anything else that they're telling you? Any other questions? You said you're con- getting constant emails or calls. <laughs>
0: A lot of it is just about the airsoft uh, regulations, the mag capacities. I mean, people don't know if they're going to have to modify their lever actions and shotguns. Um, and then how do you even modify half of, like, the 1022 magazines? I mean, those can't be modified, I think. Of course, I yeah. Um, yeah I, a lot of just... <laughs> With a
4: Dremel and JB Weld, anything's possible, but just because oh, it's possible doesn't mean it's a good idea. I thought we were yeah. doing Gorilla Glue. Are we
3: doing JB Weld now? Oh uh, gorilla glue. My my favorite's JB weld, but I guess oh, yeah, okay. I learn it. let's talk up on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna try putting a firing pin and a Glock back together with you both can, and see what has see which one works better. We'll do a video. Yeah, there you
1: there. can sand and shape J B weld, so
0: mm-hmm. oh pretty. Um, <laughs> don't wanna
1: do
4: it though. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do it if I don't have to. <laughs> Especially like, okay, my Ruger 1022 mags, I don't care about them as much. But I've no. got uh I've got a tube fed 22 that was my grandma's uncle's from the 40s. I don't want to hack the tube on it because no, uh, the government thinks that that's gonna be, be that.
3: stop some mass shooter or something like that. Yeah. In the States.
0: Just... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I have a couple friends who are ju- a friend who just bought an antique lever gun that takes six rounds. So he's like, do I have to destroy this like hundred and something year old gun? Like, well, probably. We'll see. <laughs> Government doesn't care, but we'll, I mean, we'll see.
0: And perhaps they didn't even take into consideration that some firearms don't have a detachable magazine because who knows how much knowledge they have about this. Oh, I know. Very little. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be nice.
5: <laughs> oh, LLL,
0: I know. WTF? <laughs> well, I mean, the
4: the it, they're they're not designed to be effective. The regulations are designed to um, to get votes. They're they're not yes. really designed to stop any shootings or anything like that. It's uh, no. so it, it's it's we want yeah. to apply some logic to it, but uh, it's really not a, a a good exercise. It's not. And receptive. that
0: unfortunately became very clear when we asked. A- ton of very logical questions about the bill and we're not given any answers because they didn't have answers.
3: Well, I suspect it was like the May thing where it was just sitting on somebody's desk waiting for something to happen, but they hadn't really put any thought into how this would actually practically work from a logical st- standpoint.
0: Exactly. No thought behind uh, actually enforcing what's put on paper. Well,
5: they actually did put some thought into it when the first version of it came out. They presented it and it was read, so C21, I mean. Um, So it was read once, read twice, and then it started to go through the process. And it was, they called the election, so it was defunct. uh, but they revamped it or so they brought it back obviously right and they've been waiting so during that time they have been looking at other ways to actually or other measures to implement as well but I don't think that they got it right from the perspective of how are we going to do this because it's um, yeah it's a mess absolutely yeah
0: and I know you were asking about how many um, Olympic shooters there are When we did run our economic impact report, there was 1.4 million sports shooters in Canada. I mean, that's not saying that they're Olympic shooters whatsoever, but I imagine that number has grown drastically since 2019. I know a lot of people got into sports shooting during COVID. Um, That's a lot of people that are affected by this. And that's a lot of retailers and manufacturers and dealers and (laughs) gun ranges losing money once these people can't go and compete.
5: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, we do have a question from Russ. He's wondering about what about those uh, firearms that are under warranty and it breaks. What are we supposed to do with them? Tough luck.
4: No import export. As far as I know. <laughs> for the there's no, Im- if there's, if there's no import export. How do you? Because like, we don't have any locally made handguns in Canada. They're all no
1: imported. Yeah.
3: yeah so how would the retailer get another one in for warranty? <laughs>
0: No stuff
1: they haven't thought about.
0: It was it, didn't care. it was my understanding that they may still um allow import because they're saying that our retailers can still sell to law enforcement and elite shooters. Mm. But so that
5: yeah, that's limited stuff, right?
0: Exactly. That's the big problem. It's so limited that our US manufacturers even gonna want to yep. deal well, with Well we already this. know that. <laughs> yeah
3: so get in photoshop make yourself an elite shooter badge so you have this to present when you go to buy a <laughs> gun and then you're good to go
0: exactly yeah we can make
3: some patches
1: yeah. yeah i was just thinking that we can get patches made up
3: yeah trudeau certified elite shooter
0: <laughs> okay
5: great thanks guys um we're helpful we're helpful yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 is there any other questions that you guys have? I'm going to actually scroll through the, uh, the chat, see if there was any other questions that we didn't get answered. Um, but
0: I know uh, a big question that I've seen floating around and I'm not sure if um, it was answered by Terry already, but people were wondering if they've purchased a firearm and this freeze just happens, will they still be able to get that firearm? Um, good question if the transfer has been initiated by your retailer, whoever you bought it from, then yes, when the freeze, if the freeze happens, then whatever is currently in pro- in um, process stage will still be processed as usual, if that makes sense. Sorry, okay, no, that was a really um, confusing mm-hmm. way of me wording it.
4: <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yep.
0: But yeah, cool. it's not just gonna get canceled and thrown out.
4: Well, a lot of guys are worried about that.
3: Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Especially since everyone's going on a big shopping spree right now. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I found it really hilarious that one of the news articles I was reading said the, the federal government expects no increase in sales numbers with this announcement. I'm like, really? (laughs) So in other words, you're just trying not to freak people out would be my guess. That's hilarious. (laughs) Everyone else did.
5: Okay. So from, uh, Michael Michael Loberg saw Yeah, I was just
0: looking at that. Thank you, Michael. Okay.
5: You can export it it, to have it repaired and sold out of country or sell it to a business for repair.
4: Never to return. And then not. And then never get it back. Indeed. Hope it doesn't break. Oh, my Shadow 2 is like one of the really early ones that the the frames broke. Mine hasn't broken yet. JB Weld. Maybe yeah. Maybe I'll use a spot welder. Yeah, maybe, there we use, maybe I'll braise it. <laughs> we'll take the whole tiny stuff in
5: there. <laughs> oh, so, uh, Donna, uh, we did have uh, we did have Carrie or sorry Terry, uh, the Alberta CFO, mm-hmm. uh, speak about this. How long the process uh, will take to become law? Right now, we're not that sure. Correct. Yeah. Um Did they yes, actually? The meeting that they had with you today, did they give you any indication? Probably not though, right?
0: Not at all. Um it can happen in the fall. They can decide to implement it sooner rather than later if they decide not to review it in Parliament. Um we were given nothing. It was either it was basically like tomorrow or in two years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus, like a basically i am not quoting anyone but that is basically yeah. what we were told
4: yeah probably okay. best for anyone out there who has an RPL and no handgun to find a handgun
0: we yep. are strongly recommending that people go and buy whatever they want to buy before this gets hit
4: the whatever's left. Slim pickings right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. If there's anything yeah. left in stock, of
4: course. <laughs> Most of it's pretty weird. But there's new stuff coming in. Like I was I was just on Facebook before we started here and uh a bunch of different retailers are say, Oh, just got a shipment in and it's gone yep. the website. It's probably gone again, but um you don't retailers have are still
0: getting stock in, absolutely. It, yeah. you
4: might not be stuck. Like all if all you can find is real weird stuff, um, it might more more new stuff might come in. The yeah. country this was, more was
3: made and no longer exists.
5: So there's a, there there is new stuff coming in somebody just commented that sfrc has some brand new stuff in stock absolutely they they're waiting for their uh stuff to come in i know that they just got new stuff in because i went and bought a pistol from them yesterday yeah. so um but and you got
4: a, a desirable yeah. pistol because <laughs> if we think about like the kinds of pistols that you could get for like your forever pistol that if you're a brand new shooter and you don't have anything a shadow is is pretty damn good they're good for shooting Mm -hmm. at the range they're good for uh uh competition uh there will be parts availability for them in the future like a a shadow or a glock or a 1911 or a p320 or something like that those will all be great choices yeah a big shadow Uh, fan
5: yeah Uh, it's the uh, other guns that you're going to be hooped, basically. If uh, you need parts for it, um, but so still, still buy a pistol.
3: Yeah, Go I was ahead. on SFRC last night because I got an email from them that said that, uh, hey, we've got some guns in. I went; there were like five handguns listed on their website, and <laughs> now there's, there's so, probably there's, thirty.
5: Yeah, they're oh, selling them almost as nice fast as we're oh. getting in. Yeah, that's so,
3: interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of nice ones too. Okay. So get it, get on that SFRC.
5: Yeah, Kyle, do you want to read what uh, Michael has posted? We should have just had Michael on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so
1: Michael Loberg says there is a ban in the bill that will come in force in the fall and a separate ban in a new regulation that can come in, into force any day now.
5: Correct. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. David okay. saying that
4: Cabela's Calgary stole his deliveries from their warehouse. I was um, just before the show here, I was talking with uh, my neighbor and he was saying that Cabela's was just a gong show. And like, oh, yeah, like pretty empty, pretty empty. Take a number and yeah. And even that there, they're selling quick and there's really not much out there.
5: Speaking of not much out there. <laughs> It's
4: because guys like this are buying all the handguns.
3: <laughs> <laughs> 10 millimeter, dude.
5: It's Dave. A
1: 1911 mm. and 10 millimeter at that. Interesting. Mm, well, that would be punchy mm,
5: fun. fun. fun.
1: It's nice. wow.
4: Model 41. I was looking at, I was thinking about revolvers, um, but uh, then I remembered I hate revolvers. so
1: I
3: I'm just happy I got my stupid little Ruger.
1: Yeah. <laughs> If I was to get a revolver, it'd be the Rhino, but then I looked at the price and... Was like, no.
3: But you can't probably can't get another one, so really...
1: I'd already bought two pistols, though, so that the price is like... Mm, <laughs> I've already depleted my bank account enough.
3: Yeah, uh, Yeah. I'm willing to borrow a bit of money this time around. <laughs> <laughs> that's
5: um, all that's left. Yeah. yeah, it's true Uh, um revolvers if you actually so jen as jen said she's going to encourage anybody if you want a gun right now go and buy it yeah Yep. so stock
4: is going back in too so you don't have to buy a revolver if you don't want to
0: (laughs) thankfully everyone seems to be very patient with um the people like the employees and our retailers because they're dealing with business web services going down they're not able to call in to do transfers they're just beyond busy so it's we're getting feedback that a lot of the consumers are being very patient and understanding so that's great yeah oh, that's
4: good yeah unprecedented volume of sales yes like one of, one of the shop posts that I saw was that they're just like our doors are closed today and tomorrow we're just gonna like everyone all hands on deck catch up. like yeah, yeah I've gotta yep. catch up and I, I approve that's, uh,
5: that's, so a, that, that's a good thing to do yeah so I see on um, I've been trolling facebook and the various uh retailers and i know that the calgary shooting center was actually making it put a sign up and said uh wait six hours you start here uh we'll (laughs) let you in in six hours uh there's other locations that are saying please be patient with us please don't keep messaging us or calling or or emailing we're we're just Trying as fast as we can, and for it's kind of like if you're flooding us us with emails, we can't get to what we need to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
6: Exactly.
1: Why is my
3: why is my transfer taking so long? Because you keep emailing us. Yeah,
5: because you keep emailing. Don't email
1: again. Yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah, (laughs) So, yeah. So the biggest thing from that is just be patient with our retailers. They're trying as fast as we can. Be patient with our. Look at Terry. Be patient with our CFOs.
0: Yes, absolutely. They've kind of been yeah. thrown into this mess also. Yeah.
4: Yep. Yeah. Sean, if you want a Wrangler, the Wranglers are out there. I did see like there's a yeah, pile of them in there. So um you will find you can find a Wrangler. If you want to find a shadow one or two,
3: <laughs> it's not looking good. <laughs> if you want to find a Wrangler, they're out there. Yeah. There's a bun. There's a couple shadows that just went up on CGN, but they're like nineteen
5: hundred. Yeah,
4: but on CGN you gotta like you gotta call in. Yeah, now you in. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck calling in right now. Yeah.
5: So that's the other thing too. People don't be um, checking your prices as well. I've seen that too. So um, yeah.
4: I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait and- a week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sell the crap that I don't want for way more than it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Ooh, some people don't like that. Some people don't like that capitalist like <laughs> buy low, <laughs> sell high kind of a thing. But that's what mm-hmm. I'm all about.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gotta survive. NRS. Yep. We can also take up. Uh, you know, as uh, somebody is taking up stock in fishing is, or uh, sorry. Finding things for other people. Oh, Mike. Ooh. Message Mike. If you want something, he's willing to actually look it up for you. So far it's fifteen for fifteen.
4: <laughs> I See? was I, I was helping some new RPAL owners find some guns. Yeah. I was yeah. fielding some like last minute, like, I gotta get something now. What should I get? I don't know what I need. And I, I help them find some good deals. And yeah,
3: I saw that big post you put up on uh, Facebook with here's all the stores that have everything available. I'm like, wow, good way to go. Adriel.
4: Girl, <laughs> well, not everything, but like I was trying to, if I was shopping, what would I want and what's still yeah. available right now? And I was just trying to post that. Cause like I'd get another question. A guy wants to, ah, where can I find a Glock 48? Well, oh, I don't know. Let's just, let me just look at yeah. what all the shops have. Now that list is entirely
1: out of date, but yeah, you know. <laughs> It's yeah. Probably half an hour after you posted it.
0: <laughs> yeah, five minutes later, it's no longer valid.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: So, I do know that CS has something exciting happening on this weekend. What's going on?
0: Well, um, actually, uh, it's just myself that is hosting the National Ranch it? Day. Yes, <laughs> I didn't. I thought it was CS AAA. I know. No, it's just me. Um, Yeah, I'm hosting National Range Day at my local range. It started as I was just going to register a few members of the community to come in, try a few guns. I had 40 spots open. We were going to do, you know, 10 shooters per segment. And I got so much interest that I thought, holy, I have to do an open house. Uh, So we're doing a big open house at our range and it's going to be super fun. We're gonna have our cowboy action team out there demonstrating what they do, That's our cool. Ipsic and steel challenge uh challenge team showing what they do. Um, I'm gonna have a lot of educational pamphlets and posters. CUSF is setting up a booth to give more information. Yep. Um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm very excited. Excellent. I think this great. is gonna be great. And after C21, I think our uh industry and community needs this more than anything. Yep.
6: Yeah, I good agree.
5: timing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So your local club is the Cornwall
5: Pistol Revolver Club? Uh, Cornwall Handgun hand Club, hand gun gun. yeah. Handgun Club,
0: yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is- Do they need to
4: pre-register? Do they just roll in? What's the What's the scoop?
0: I have registration open um, just so I can get a general idea of how many people are going to be attending so I can have enough because we're doing a barbecue and stuff so it's a free, free event just show up and have fun. Um, I just want to make sure we have enough supplies and hands on deck. Um, right now, we have about 140 people registered, but I have told people, like, wow. I know. Nice. I, know. Wow. <laughs> I
4: hope you have a lot of help. That's a, that's a yes. big event. <laughs> yeah.
0: Our range, just like every other range, is absolutely amazing. So I have yep. no shortage of volunteers. Um, but, yeah, if, if people just want to roll in, if they don't want to register, they can just pop in. It's not... Not a big deal, and yeah, that's running from ten to three on Saturday. And I think you guys are probably all doing something for National Range Day, also. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Well. Sweet.
5: Yeah. So I'm going to be at EOSC, which is in Ottawa. We're going to be doing yes. the the big one there. So and there's a honestly, bouncy
0: castle and everything, right? Ooh. Yeah, it's literally a circus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very exciting. Do you have to pre-register
5: yeah. for that, Kelly? How to? Uh, no don't no? need to pre-register people and just roll straight in all right <laughs> yeah I,
3: I know I I won't be at an actual gun range but I'll be at a Sega paintball for their 30th anniversary because that happens to fall on the same day
5: I think you need to support cool. them too yep yeah
3: that's gun related. Maybe, I'll maybe be at
4: yourself, uh, Sherwood Park that one does have pre-registration I'm gonna post I'm gonna share it on uh slamfire after the show so that people can Car- register on that thing
5: <laughs> so or what a- So one of the things that uh, people should do is actually, if you are hosting a June 4th event, share it everywhere. Uh, Send it to us. We'll share it on Slamfire personal pages as well. So uh, send us that stuff over, Jen, and we'll actually uh, share it for you too.
0: Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't think people understand how much um, promoting the event on social media actually helps. I mean, that's kind of been the main traffic source for me and, I think we need to make this really really big this year
6: yeah yeah
0: first year be uh bill c21 hits us we need to <laughs> go all out
3: yeah we all need a little hope
0: a little yeah hope
3: good public uh good public n- uh, information Hey, question for you for the uh, for the range days and from what you've heard not just for your range but other ranges have you had media interest in it like local papers or anything
0: yeah, actually, um, we, I mean, we're, I'm in a very small rural community, so our local papers aren't, you know, super well known by anyone that's not <laughs> in this community. But yeah, we, uh, there are a few local newspapers that want to go to EOSC. They're going to come to the Cornwall Handgun Club. There's been quite a bit of interest, which I'm kind of surprised about and happy about. Nice. I reached out to uh, quite a few of our local newspapers, and they said that they've got National Range Day marked on their calendar and a few places to check out. So that's mm-hmm. really exciting.
4: It's not and my know, announcement, to make, but I think we're going to have a, a TV station at ours and at uh, Sherwood Park.
0: Oh, that would be really cool. Should
4: be neat. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, regardless, I think I'm just going to do a write-up and take a ton of pictures and just send it out to anyone that wants to post it because. I kind of want the right story out there and a good story.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah Share it out. Share yeah. it out. Yeah. If if we can get lots of, uh, lots of coverage of this, it looks normal and it's just, you know, something that that's happens. That's the
0: main thing. People I mean, I want stuff. people to see. We're just normal yeah. people. We're not, yeah. <laughs> not crazy. We're
5: good. No, and
3: <laughs> that's always been one yeah. of our, our big challenges is that, you know, we've hidden for so long that so many people just they think they don't know anyone who owns guns and
5: exactly. i know
3: there's so many people when you start talking to people i notice that at work i'll just be talking to people and the guy's like oh yeah about a glock last week or oh yeah i hunt or i shoot skeet or whatever but a lot of people don't tell other people what they do so yeah sh-
5: sorry yeah. i had to put it up <laughs>
3: i didn't want to say <laughs> I didn't think that was the, that was
4: contested. I thought that was pretty obvious for our audio listeners. Doug Ford just got reelected. Yeah, uh, but I, I think that was pretty much a. Like, Thanks, uh, Lex, I mean, Lex Luther was defeated.
3: It's
5: terrible. Animus. So for okay, you know what? This means that Ontario has a little good news. We had some other great news on tonight. We had Terry who's supporting Alberta. We have Jen that's supporting our. Retailers and our manufacturers here in Canada. We have June 4th happening where we're having a National Range Day. It actually is looking good. I can go to sleep tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> good to have good news, eh?
1: It's not uh, all doom and gloom.
3: Yep. It is. So, well, in the end, I mean, no matter what happens here and what gets banned and everything, get whatever guns you can whatever's legal, go and shoot them, have a great time, support your local retailers and just keep our, keep our communities alive. And, you know, don't, don't, don't fall to despair and pick up golf or lame sports.
0: Exactly.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? We've been on for two and a half hours, which is a long time for us, even for those that are driving long distances and, and like to listen to us on, during those drives, but. John, do you want to cover anything that we didn't talk about?
0: Nothing I can think of. I really wish I had more information about um, C21, but... Uh, I think... Right you know, now, that's... Yeah. 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 Well, I, wish I could have offered more. Okay.
5: Let us know if you do get any information. I absolutely will. Whether it's by Twitter or... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: Carrier pigeon. No, or...
4: <laughs> no emergency alerts via Twitter.
5: Yeah. 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 You no. Know, but uh yeah, let us know. And we'd love to have you on again once we actually do know more about C uh 21. And then also yes. the impacts on those gun shows and the different things as well. If that's gonna Yeah, happen.
0: I want to get actual um I have been reaching out to a lot of our manufacturers, dealers, you know, all of our members, because I want to see exactly how it's impacting them. And this needs to be presented to the government. I mean, whether they will listen or care, the information at least needs to be offered so that they can see how they're drastically affecting these people's lives. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And hopefully we get a little coverage on that aspect from some of the news so they can see just how unreasonable it is when, you know, the reasonable side says, well, maybe we do this, and then compromises go to hell.
0: Yes, exactly. No, um... The news needs to hear. Everyone needs to understand how this is just going to negatively impact so many people, and with no benefit.
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. yeah Yep. Well,
5: awesome. yeah. all right, everybody. Shall we close yeah. out the show? Let's close. I think it. so. Make yeah. it awkward like we usually do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So you
4: don't know oh, you
2: can't
3: see my camera are gonna i'm maybe staring at you
0: well i am the queen we're of awkward but too, uh, too, so. thank you guys very very much for having me on here oh well, thank no, thanks,
5: you so jen. much thanks, jen. Thanks, jen. uh jen have a great time this weekend and we're going to connect sometime because i do actually have some of your property that i'm still need to get back to <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> thank yeah. you
5: yeah awesome
0: cool. well yeah, yeah. thanks right, everybody for coming day on
5: later everyone